Bound RPG Cast, episode 256. That's right, it's our big old Power of Two full 8-bit integer episode extravaganza, and so I've got a full cast for you. Starting off with special guest, Sam Marcello! There's math involved. There's math involved. See you later. Don't worry. Frog Fractions will teach you everything you need to know. That's right. I also heard it's about decapitating frogs. That's right. We have fellow Canadian (sighs) here, Anna Marie Neufeld. Be right back. I'm supervising the strategic maple syrup preserve. That's right. Uh, And the man who... uh, Spend hard at work tracking down two missing pallets of chicken wings. Emmanuel Marino. Hey, 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 hey. LA takes this chicken wing supply very seriously. <laughs> Next thing you know, they're going to steal all your waffles. Then what do you do? Roscoe's chicken and waffles? Yep. Oh, that'd be no good. All right. <laughs> Speaking of disgusting food, way over across the pond, we've got John Yearworth. What do you mean you've never tried spotted dick? <laughs> I have. It's revolting. Oh. <laughs> How about toad in the hole? Haggis? I've had haggis. Haggis, haggis isn't British. No, it's I've Scottish. I've had black and white pudding. I like black I hate black pudding. Gag! <laughs> Why did you mention that? That's it. That's going on. This is, ra- yes, your racist Twitter feed. <laughs> I've had blood pudding. It tasted like nothing. Mmm. All right, I'm your host, Chris Freeman, here. We're RP Gamer. We're here to talk about RPGs, feedbacks, podcasts, all that sort of stuff. So let's kick off with what we've been playing this week. Sam, you're a special guest, so we're going to have you go first, because you've been playing some stuff none of us have touched. Yeah. Really? Have I? Yeah. I guess so. Yes, you have. Um, yeah, so I finished Spec, Up the line, uh, Spec Ops The Line this week, which I got as a Valentine's Day present, because apparently Scott thinks I like post-traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says I love you like barbecuing civilians. <laughs> yeah. Well, the game is really mean, too, because it doesn't really um, tell you how to do the passive things. So in some situations, you'll be looking around going, how do I not kill the civilians? <laughs> so the game doesn't tell you how to not kill them. So I think that's the point, going, though. Oh, I know it is. But I'm looking going, okay, they keep beating me up to the point where I died because I got pelted in the head with a rock. So... How do I be nice to these people? And then eventually I just sort of, I was like, I'm going to shoot blind fire into the air and see what happens. And apparently that was enough to kill somebody. (laughs) So I got the really violent sort of ending (laughs) because of that. Well, the funny thing is that ending could end, it can just, there's lots of different ways that little end bit can actually end. Like you can, uh, I'm not going to go into it and say somebody wants to play it, but there's like tons of permutations, even at like the last few moments. Oh yeah, no, and actually quite love the game for that. I like that the game has actually forced me to think about things that I was doing as I was doing them. And the consequences are pretty severe for different things that you do because there's no right or wrong sort of answer to any of the situations because you're going to feel like a dickhead either way. So even if you decide, I'm going to try to save the civilians, well, boo-hoo, something crappy happens, so it doesn't matter. And you kind of go, well, shit, what am I supposed to do? So I got to admit, like, I quite enjoyed the game a lot. I just kind of wish I hadn't killed as many civilians as I did. <laughs> um, well, let me let me ask. Did you like the game or did you, I mean, like the gameplay or just the story? You know scenario? what? Actually, I enjoyed the gameplay and I'm not much of a shooter person. Like, I have to be in a particular mood for a big dumb shooter, as I call them. 
Um, and this one controls surprisingly well. I played it on PS3, no less, so that should tell you something right there. And, I mean, I love the fact that it actually had tactical commands. So you could actually tell your uh, comrades, you know, hey, go kill that sniper that's up in the nest. And they actually would do it. Like, the AI doesn't suck in this game. So I'm curious, do you think because you don't have, like, a lot of experience with all of these shooters that you'd, you'd be, like, less nitpicky if you played so many? I think I would be, but... Yeah. I don't know. Like, this one, I guess, just interests me because of the fact that it had the, the psychological aspects to it. Cool. And I think that's the only reason I originally wanted to play it. <laughs> because I wanted to see if it was possible to have a big, dumb shooter that actually is trying to be meaningful in some way. Because I tried to play Black Ops, and... My God, it was the worst experience of my life. It was like, okay, wow, I'm like stabbing this dude in the head and I feel no remorse because the game is basically saying, hey, you don't feel any remorse for doing this because you're a big hero. And me going five minutes into the game going, nope, can't do this. And I I took it out and I gave it back to my uncle. I was like, you can have this piece of crap. (laughs) So, I don't know. I I I actually thought that Black Black Ops 2, you said? No, I played the first one. I, I haven't touched any Call of Duty. That was the only one I played, and I just uh, couldn't do it. Okay, interesting. I think Black Ops 2... I, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear your take on Black Ops 2. Because I think that was like the only Call of Duty I actually liked, for for different reasons. I said, I, I'd be willing to try it. This is the thing. I mean, I've been very open-minded with a lot of the games that I've been playing. Uh, mostly because I just haven't really been in the mood for a big RPG experience. Like, I got Nino Kuni and I got Spec Ops The Line, and I'm looking going, neither of you two games are appropriate for what I'm going through in my life right now. Because Nino Kuni deals with dead parents. Spec Ops The Line deals with murdering people. And, like I said... And you've like, I got done it. both. Wait, no. <sighs> I got Spec Ops before my dad had... Like, the day before my dad passed away. <laughs> So I started it the night I got it, That's thinking, eh, great. It's... And then Scott going, I'm sorry. <laughs> and me going, you know I hate you right now. He goes, yep. <laughs> I know, sweetie. I still love you too. But um, I can understand too, just from like a time commitment point, like where you look at Spec Ops, like maybe like a six to eight hour experience versus yeah. Nino Cooney, which is like which over is 40. 50. Yeah, it's at least 50. And Nino Cooney, I mean, unfortunately for me, started with the, here's Oliver's mom dying and me going, okay, game, turn off. <laughs> oh, you nope. didn't know that already? I knew it already, but oh, I'm. You just couldn't it was me it. kind of yeah. going, you know, can I do it? Yeah. And then I looked and said, no. no. The answer is no. No, not right now. So that's why I've been trying to play things that are a little bit more mindless and again didn't kind of work with spec ops the line either because that game made me sit there like sobbing my brains out going oh my god i'm a horrible person um i also finished lego lord of the rings too that was really fun how was that everyone should play lego lord of the rings it's actually really good for a lego game because i've had some bad experiences with some of the lego games where like they glitch out or whatever but this one was really good like all the co-op stuff was just really fun to do. And I played it entirely in co-op. Is this one of the Lego games with uh, voice acting? Yes. But okay. it's just ripped directly from the films. So, like, it's nothing you haven't heard if you haven't watched the movies. So, um, but it was really fun. I quite liked that one. I've also been playing Artanelico 2, which um, I don't know why I picked that one up again. 
Probably because it's mindless and stupid and boobylicious. I don't know. Uh, one of these days, I will get around to playing Artonelico one and two because apparently they are very good. It was the third one that you kind know of what went I love. I love the first one. The first one, as much as it was kind of ridiculous, I love the battle system in it. The characters were pretty fun. Three has some real problems. Is that the inter- one where put it in me, but be gentle? It's my first time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the innuendos in three in particular are really bad. Like, probably worse than one. And so far in two, I haven't really noticed as many innuendos, but I'm only about seven hours in. Uh, and I picked Luca for my partner. I mean, I, I to be honest, I hate both the female characters in two, because Cloche is like, look at me, I've got big boobs, and I'm going to, like, make everything happen because I'm so awesome and a diva. And I'm like, okay, you're bitch i don't like you and luca's just like i hate everybody and i'm really jealous of everybody and i'm like you're no better <laughs> so it was pretty bad and when i played arch one back with like tidwell there you know we picked the same girl because we thought she was kind of cute and actually surprisingly like a genuine character and two i have yet to see a character that comes across as being like intelligent even so that part's kind of driving me a little bonkers I I think the what what uh what the reason why I wanted to play apparently was that was actually more to do with the uh the world that they constructed more so than the characters. The world or the world in Archinelico is really nifty and they do a lot of just just a structure and how the game looks. They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous games. Mm. You know. And I mean I love the idea of a world that's completely um enveloped in music. So that's really cool. Like, you can go through some dungeons, and for all you know, you're walking on top of trombones and trumpets and valves, and it's it's pretty cool, actually. And, like, the music element's always really strong in these games, and I love the music in them. Like, I really do. Yeah, the music's really good. I've, I've got a copy of the soundtrack somewhere, I think. Like, as much as, like, I don't like 3, as much as the first one, even 3 has a really good soundtrack. It's just got really, really bad characters, which is the unfortunate part there. So I've been playing that, and then the last thing I've been playing is Harvest Moon Boy and Girl on PSP, which, oh my god, the lag on it is really, really bad. So bad frame rate and all that? Yep, but you know what? I'm not going to lie, I only paid five bucks for it. Is the name literally Boy and Girl? Oh, yeah. It is Boy and Girl. Yeah, it's, um, so back in the day, Back to Nature came out. And then in Japan only, they released um, Back to Nature for Girls, and it never came out in North America. So when it got when Back to Nature and Back to Nature for Girl got remade for PSP, it came out here as Harvest Moon Boy and Girl. Yep. I've been playing as a girl. Her but yeah, it suffers from some technical issues. Yep. Oh. Really, just and- it's got some pretty long load times. Oh, I was just gonna ask. Well, we still have you here because it's a rare mm-hmm. recurrent. Any, cr- any crappy video game novels? Have I read any crappy video game novels lately? No. Okay. I have. Um, like, if you really want to know what I've been reading, Manny, it's been a lot of YA for work. Mostly consisting of women who have werewolf boyfriends and espionage abilities. Interesting. So actually, it's been pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, I've just, uh, to be honest, in terms of reading, I've been reading a little bit of nonfiction. I've been reading Bill Bryson, 
because he uh, makes crap. Bill, yeah. Bill Bryson's a good author. Yes, he is. He's he's a wonderful guy, and I've also been reading Jim Butcher again because he makes me really happy too. I finally have caught up on the Dresden Files. It was a good day when I finished it. So yeah, like I said, I've been reading a lot of five hundred page books just because they were good to take to the hospital. I've been and when watching. I wasn't... Oh, so hmm? sorry. Go ahead. Cool. Cool. What you been watching, Chris? Yeah. What has Chris been watching? Um, I was watching the opening video of Artonelco 2 while you guys were talking. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, that's one of the most shameless, stupid things I've ever seen. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I, I I absolutely just can't stand some of the stuff that Artonelco does. And this is my problem with Gust. It's like, I love the ideas Artonelco has. I don't like how they're executed. Mm. Whereas I, I look at the Atelier games and I'm like... You guys are made of win for me because you have female characters who are not stupid. <laughs> and, you know, you make me really happy because they're they're learning things about themselves. Like, you know, how to get stronger when your mom dies or how to, you know, not be yeah. a douchebag to subjects in a castle. <laughs> it's like, go characters. You try hard. Yeah, that's why I like Downton Abbey. <laughs> I can't watch Downton Abbey. Really? Because no, I think I would just yell at it. Oh, okay. I had bad enough. Okay, well, I was in Downton Scotland Abbey and I watched also. East Enders. Okay, and I spent the entire week in Scotland yelling at East Enders as I was watching it with Ada. Oh my god, it was terrible. Anna and I are going to watch Downton Abbey once she gets here. The thing about the thing apparently they kill people and it makes fans irritated. Uh, oh, oh, they kill people a lot in East Enders. <laughs> yes, no, they do. not at EastEnders in Downton Abbey. It, well, they do in EastEnders as well. Usually at Christmas, because that—that's what yep. people expect to see at Christmas. Is you know people dying a lot. I think that the, the phrase is he got pamooked in Downton Abbey. I uh, I had Chris watch an order of Law and Order UK, and he hates it. Oh, it's terrible! What? Oh, it's <laughs> awful! Awful! It is so bad. Aww. It is. It is. Oh my gosh, is it terrible? <laughs> the well, acting's terrible. The it makes no sense. Like, they're just in random office. Like, they're sitting around these little posh office suites instead of actually at a police station. It makes no sense. It looks like they he just filmed it. In- you, really, you really should see some police stations in this country. Apparently. You understand that when he goes to the barristers, that they have a very posh office. It's just. Uh. <laughs> Chris, you have to yeah, understand should, that most UK shows have no money. <laughs> you should have seen the you seen the building my lawyers resided in. Mm. Bloody hell. Chris, be thankful that, you know, for example, Anna's not making you watch Canadian television where there really is no budget. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, at least I'm, the BBC has wait, a budget. You know what? I could I could um I could expose him to corner gas. Hey, actually that show's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, um, oh damn! What's the other one? Little Mosque on the Prairie. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen any of that. It's really good. I liked Little Mosque from what I watched. It wasn't bad. Yeah, you also I watched Republic it. of Doyle. Oh no! 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 no. <laughs> All right, Anna. What have you been playing this week? Um, I've been playing Final Fantasy IX. So I finished all of art. And I got the stupid key from the stupid troll in the stupid cage. Okay. Pisses me off. Um, And I played pack and cleaned my room. 
which took up a majority of my time. And I also played write press releases for a new client, which also took up a lot of my time. I don't think you need to tell us about the work you do necessarily. <laughs> I understand the packing one, Anna. Yes. I understand that yeah. one well this week. So, yeah, I've just, I've been out of the house so much that I've been, you know, dinking around on my phone a little bit and playing on the PSP a little bit. And that's really about it. Hmm. Other than Castleville. I'm kind of like in a weird position with Diablo 3 because I think I need a, I either need a break or I need a new class. What you need is to play on the PS4. Yeah. Talk about that later. Yeah. Manny, what you been playing? Nothing. Okay. John? Uh, well, aside from the usual metal, uh, ah, I'll get to that in a second. Aside from the usual, as in World of Warcraft, some more Super Robot Wars, uh, the big one this week would be uh, Metal Gear Rising. Ooh, which, Revengeance. Yes. Which uh, apparently is a word. It's all wait, English. Wait, wait. Quinn, I need to know before we continue. Did you get the collector's edition with the plasma light sword lamp? No, it wasn't sold in England. Oh, okay. Good I would like you. like to have at least looked because that lamp did look kind of awesome. But no, as far as I know, sold out or wasn't available or something. So I wasn't able to get it. All okay, I was so able quick. to get, all I was able to get, was the the pre order version, which did come with a rather nice little steel case with some very cool artwork on it. But yeah, so yes, ask questions. I will say this though, I, I can't. I don't want to buy the game. It's it's only six hours long. And if I play it twice, it's only going to be twelve hours long. Well, I think I okay. I think I cleared. I I, I hmm. hold on, Manny. If you play it three times, it'll be eighteen hours long. I it's just too short for okay. sixty dollars. Eighteen hours for sixty dollars. Okay, play it four times. It. How many hours do you need? <laughs> well, bear in mind that the counter that displays at the end of the game only takes the shortest uh, time on each level. Like, there are seven levels, um, but the time that you get on the little counter at the end is only indicative of the fastest route, not counting game overs and stuff like that. So while I think while I did finish the game, I finished it this morning um, with a final clear time of like five hours 53 or something. I know I played the game for longer than that. That's, that's like, too quite short. A, like, quite a bit longer than that. <sighs> Freaking Kojima. It's too short. Well, I'm, I'm, sorry, used... I'm echoing sentiments on NeoGAF at this point. <laughs> okay, well, but seriously, so cool game. What's up? Yes, I think it's a very good game. One, it platinum do, do it again, basically. But that's because uh, I is it a really Metal like... Gear game or is it a fun action game? It's a fun action game. Okay, so it's really you're not coming to it for anything out of the Metal Gear series, right? Well, that's not true. It it's... does. It it does basically expand on some plot points from uh, Metal Gear Solid, like the end of Metal Gear Solid Four, because it okay. takes place after. It takes place like four years after Metal Gear Solid Four, which makes no sense. Because at the end of Metal Gear Solid Four, he's not a cyborg anymore. Yes, he is. No, they show him getting re- replacement limbs and everything. He's back to a human. But those replacement yeah. well, limbs are still. You, like, funnily enough, funnily enough, you actually do start the game. Uh, not in the design that you see in most of the trailers for Metal Gear Rising. Okay. Um, basically, at the end of the game's prologue chapter, Raiden gets the ever-loving shit kicked out of him. Okay. Um, and he goes in back to being a full cyborg oh, for a for while. In fact, he even has, uh, when he has one of his limbs sliced off during the uh, prologue, he even has the... Uh, he has enough in him to say, 
oh shit, not again. Mm. We have to remember, this is... Okay, could, like, if you think Kojima was crazy in his writing already, you just multiply that by platinum. Yeah, basically. This is, the writing is Kojima multiplied by platinum. It's, it's insane on a new level. Uh, but at least it does do um, at least a kind of interest. It is at least self-aware of its own medium and its main character, at least because uh, the, uh, the the villain at one point does go on a monologue about it. Because this is a Metal Gear Solid game or a Metal Gear game, so, so the villains have to monologue about something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still a good spin-off, though, right? I mean, it still gives you enough Metal Gear, and, a, and it's a good action game in its own right. So, I oh yeah, I mean. You- the opening stage has you taking down a, a modified Metal Gear Ray. That, that's the game's first boss, and you d- dismantle it fairly piecemeal can in you, a kind of combat. Can you kill uh, any bosses during cutscenes? As in? Metal Gear Solid 3. Uh, no. Okay. Not as far as I know, anyway. Right. <laughs> it's not like a Sura's Wrath where you have a button that allows you to shut them up in the middle of their monologues. Ooh, I loved button. that button. I pushed it right away. You get achievements for it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, unfortunately, you are going to have to listen to some um, like socio-political monologuing, but everything in between is like pure platinum-style action game. I love that all video game developers have either a political science or a philosophy degree. <laughs> and then they went to game design and development school. And the ones who go for video game degrees can't get jobs in the industry. <laughs> Figure that out. Um, I was going to say. Yes, it, it basically, uh, for people who've played both, I, I thought uh, Platinum's previous two games, because uh, I haven't played Anarchy Reigns yet, which was them, wasn't it? Anarchy Reigns? Yep. Pla- yeah, I haven't played Anarchy Reigns, but I did think that both Bayonetta and Vanquish were extremely good. Ooh, I have both of those because I just got Vanquish for free on PlayStation Plus, so I should play through yeah. those. I did too. You know, the yeah, good thing I... is, though, is like a lot of people are complaining about Devil May Cry is not the game that we thought it was or whatever. Well, it's because, yeah, those people are making those games over at Platinum. I mean, you have three games that are just like those old Devil May Cry games that you missed. You got uh, Metal Gear Rising, you got Bayonetta, which is like better than Devil May Cry ever was at its peak, and... and uh... Plus has got tits. Thanks, Sam. I forgot the shooting game name. Who cares? Uh, they got the... Oh, the black and white one? No, Vanquish. There you go. Oh, Vanquish. Vanquish. Okay. Yes. <sighs> which is a very competent shooter. I've heard, though, it... that... Okay. Go on. I, well, I was going to say that I've heard that the new metal, the DMC game is really good, though. Oh, but it's not like good in the way that the old people wanted it to be. It's oh. different, and different. Yeah, we bad. can't have different. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think <laughs> basically, I think. Look, I, I'm sure Metal Gear Rising will piss off like Metal Gear purists, but it's an amazing action game, and that's pretty much I think the reason why you should play it. Particularly if you did enjoy Metal Gear Solid 4, because it is a kind of a, just another take on things. Hmm. And it does reference events from 4. Oh, like, right. the, effectively, the, the, like, the, things like the kind of like the plot fallout from 4, like with the end of 4 now, it means that private military contractors are now basically everywhere and cyborgs be- have become more common and stuff like that. Basically, all of the enemies that you fight in the game are either robots or cyborgs. And it's okay to kill cyborgs because. Well, the game goes. The game does kind of like philosophize about that, you know, because um, you spend like at least three chapters of the game, like just tearing your way through, um, 
like you know armies of cyborgs using your uh, uh, using your blade mode to basically sort of carve them in half and stuff like that. But then um, during the aforementioned villain monologue later, um, there is a uh, you know an examination of the morality behind that and stuff like that. You know, it, it causing the main character to sort of look at himself and uh, yeah. And it does tie in with um, stuff that happened to Raiden in Metal Gear Solid 2 and 4. So, yeah. Worth playing. Man, Very good who would have thought game. Metal Gear's coming back? Three new Metal early, Gear games. I would, I would personally say um, early contender for Game of the Year, personally. But that's because it's a platinum game and it's really good and I have a bias for them. <laughs> nice. Mm. That's all you played? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much. Okay. What did you I play, Chris? I finished a game. <gasps> what? You finished something? This makes no sense. What is this? Sorry, that me- I finished a game, so I have to play that. Um, I finished Skulls of the Shogun, which I talked about last week. Um, and it Congrats! Is, it is still an excellent game. It is a fantastic game, and <laughs> I tweeted about that and got retweeted by the guy who made the game, which I thought was funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, what an awesome little strategy game. Uh, go get that uh, if you have any way of getting it. I guess Xbox Live would be the easiest. Um, it's so fun. And I want to play multiplayer with people, but nobody has it. Because for some reason, people aren't buying this game. And it makes me sad. I think you're biased just because you finished it. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. <laughs> it, it, the fact that I finished it speaks nothing about the quality of the game. It's just, you know. All right. The one game you finished, you have to evangelize. Yeah, is that how it works? <laughs> well, I... You know, I, I would promote Diablo 3 as well, which I've been playing the heck out of, but, uh, you know, you guys have heard enough about that, too. So. How long did it take you to get through that campaign, just out of curiosity? Skulls? Um, yeah. Gosh, I, I didn't time it, so I would say six to eight hours, probably. Oh, well, it's not bad. I All mean, right. for for downloadable game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I had to replay the last fight, but the last fight is 40 minutes on its own, easy. Ooh, um, one of those. Yeah, it's a long map, but I mean that most maps don't take anywhere near that long. So that's like that's a culmination. Like put all your skills together and and survive and pull this off map. Um, and I'm sure if you got really good, you could do it a lot faster than I could because I never really felt like I've gotten to the point where I've mastered everything. And I think the game kind of does that on purpose. The game does a really good job of giving you enough numbers to know like is this a good decision or not a good decision, but not to be able to predict what's really going to happen. Um, and and it really does um, make it so that there's always a tension going on. You never really feel, you know, there's always something changing or not going the way you expected, so you have to adapt, and you're always pulling off, you know, like, oh, that didn't go that way. All right, I saved that situation. And it, it gives you really good feedback as you're playing through each map um, rather than just feeling like, oh, I'm overpowered, boring, click, 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 destroy, or, oh, I'm being overpowered, there's no way I can come back, click, 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 lose, try again. Um, it just seems to do a really good job of, of straddling that middle and keeping it um, a fun experience the whole way through. So, so it's yeah. just like your, is this the best way to get your Advance Wars fixed, do you think? I, I never played Advance Wars, so <gasps> I can't tell you. Well, best way to get your Advance Wars fixed, unless you're like me and play Super Robot Wars. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, there you go then. Good story? Like good, good at least. I mean, good setup and premise at the very least? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the story's simple, but the, the writing's fun. And so I really appreciated the writing, the jokes that they have. They have uh, funny character archetypes, and they, they kind of take 
uh, they they exploit those jokes pretty well, and so it's enjoyable the whole way through. So, yeah, it, it, right to the very end, actually. Skulls of the Shogun, four years in the making. Yeah, and and it turned into a good game, so we have a success story at the end of the four years, as opposed to a mess story, right? Now, if cool. only they can release on other platforms. I don't know how long Microsoft has them locked up, you know? I'm t- uh, I listened to the developers on... 8.4? On... No, 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 not G- uh, 8.4. It was uh, the uh, Camouflage Radio. Oh, okay. You know, they have like a little right. production update and they were there visiting. And it sounds like the, the, the devs are... They're not really into other platforms. They're like... The, they see, it feels like they're strictly kind of like Microsoft people. Well, that doesn't... They were very pro-surface, and they were laughing at the iPad. Um, okay. <laughs> They're the only people, then. <laughs> <laughs> Surface isn't really turning into a success. <laughs> All right. Well, whatever. Um, cool. That, that's really... That's it for me. So I think we should move on to our feedback. So first off... Feedback! Feedback! <laughs> This is where you get to write in the show, and we read it right here, like the first note here from Mr. Legendary Zoltan. says, hey, I agree with uh, Chaos Drones and... Oh, wait, sorry. I should skip that. doesn't make sense out of context. Um, Oh, I have used RPG Maker VX Ace, and I think it is an amazing tool. If you know how to program in Ruby, you can do pretty much anything. I do not know how to program, but I put in the time to learn all about the event system and have been working on a cheap yet fun game, and I am becoming quite satisfied with the result. I think the most popular RPG Maker game is To the Moon, so you could see what is possible with it by checking out that game. To sum up, if you have a musician, an artist, and a vision, you can make a AAA game. That is my opinion. If you need tutorials, check out RPGMakerWeb.com. Sweet. He also thinks that there are many aspects of White Knight Chronicles 2 that are far better than mediocre. The music is excellent. The environments are beautiful and broad, and the balance of the system is flawless. No spikes with plenty of challenge. Of course, that assumes you actually want to play it, which that was the problem for me. Hi, Chris and RP uh, and podcast crew. Have you ever been reluctant to reveal or talk about your video game hobbit at work? Hobbit. I said video game hobbit, didn't I? Hmm. Everyone, look. It's my video game hobbit. <laughs> I, I definitely don't want to reveal a video game hobbit at work. <laughs> All right, have you been reluctant to talk or reveal your video game hobby at work or in a social situation because of the reaction you may get? No, not really. No? Yeah, I haven't either. I have no problem uh, talking about I it. I work in the video game industry. Yeah. John doesn't work. Um, Sam, what about you? Do you talk I about games at work? social situations. I teach high school kids, no less. All right, so no problem for us. right there. Well, this guy uh, right... Oh, go ahead. I was actually just going to say, as weird as it sounds, I did actually meet a 4chan poster while I was working in uh, doing my student residency placements at the local uh, uh, Worthing Hospital. That was a little weird. That is weird. All right, well, this person writes... T- t- well, I'll just say, there are some situations where I do talk to people and get reactions, and I just look at them like they're out of touch. Yeah. Like, I remember one guy was talking about, like, oh, what, like, what's new with you? It was like, oh, I was at a BlizzCon recently, or something something like that came up. I was talking about esports. And then he started, like, a 20-minute riff, like, esports, like, this sort of look on his face, like, <laughs> esports. You know, like like laughing at the, the notion of video games and sports. And I, I just looked at him and said, man... If you want to have that conversation, you need a time machine and travel 10 years into the past because this is an established thing. Millions of people are into it. And if you're going to scoff, do it somewhere else. <laughs> nice. Yeah, really. All right. Um, so this letter writer here, what's his name? 
Uh, regards, and of course, I chopped off the name of the letter writer. Good for me. Let me find it here. Ugh. Ugh. All right, I'll read it. Multitasking kills podcast. Yeah, you go I'll ahead. read it. I'll read it. Yeah, read it. Okay. Okay, a recent work experience... Has, wait, a recent experience at work has made me question why video games are, are considered a socially, as socially unacceptable, well, at least in some circles. During a conversation at work about hobbies, I, I talked about video games and RPGs in particular. The reaction I got was unexpected and aggressively negative. I am an executive at an FTSE 250 company. I guess I should know what that is. One of the 250 largest companies in the UK. My peers are a similar age to me, mid-30s, but the derision from my colleagues was unchecked and direct. It seems that I can be an openly gay man in the workplace, but not discuss a hobby like video games. What made it, what made it worse is we are a technology retailer and even sell consoles. Hmm. I so asked, I, let's narrow that down to how many companies there are like that in the UK, John. <laughs> I can work for games. (laughs) Okay, I asked the question to several friends who play games and work in other large corporate companies, and they all said this. Said it's not something they would talk about at work. One one who's a partner at KPMG, one of the world's largest accounting firms, said it would be a career suicide to talk about games in the workplace. Huh? I wonder why this is the case. Maybe it's a reflection of corporate life. Maybe it's a British thing. I live in London. Coincidentally, a few days later, I work. I work a classic yellow Atari t-shirt. Wait, I work. I wore a classic yellow Atari t-shirt to work, and many of the same people who criticized my hobby commented how cool the t-shirt looked. Sigh. Ellipses. So that's from Shoyab. Thank you, Shoyab. And I'm gonna say it's a British thing. Yeah, it feels it's, more like it a British sounds thing. like a British executive thing. Really, I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I mean, Me here's the thing: is is if you're in your early 30s, like some of us on this podcast are and I'll shake my candy youngins I mean we were really the first generation that grew up with video games and you had to have pretty cool parents to have had a console I mean you know we were we weren't the groundbreakers by any stretch of the imagination but we would be the first generation that would probably really identify as gamers so Having peers and uh, other people in an executive atmosphere that didn't play video games does not strike me as unusual. But, you know, the funny thing is, though, is that they – which is like the real irony is that they – I bet you more than anything, they all play games on their smartphone. They would yeah, never of course they do. But that doesn't make them gamers. You know? No, I know. I know. I'm, but I'm they still well, – It does. That. But the, yeah. I know, it does. <laughs> I know. I mean this is like – this is the conversation that Chris and I had because I was flying to San Francisco for a Natsume meeting and the woman sitting beside me was like, I don't play video games but proceeded to play Angry Birds the entire flight. I think it's the notion that a video game – this is weird notion that video games are about – they're violent – only prepubescent boys play it. They're uh, they're shooting and it's killing people. And that's the whole point. You get points for taking lives. You know, like all these like these name a cliche. That's what a video game is. Or well, the, worst, and the problem or the, is, is the gamers are just as bad because there was actually like an editorial article in Game Developer Magazine that was like. Gamers are the only subgroup that have a, a title that's associated with them. I mean, people who like gourmet food and who watch movies and listen to music don't have the same kind of titles. And I'm like, yeah, they do. are you high? Of course they do. Called the foodie. 
Yeah. What are the I music people called? They're so bad. Audio, audio files? files. Oh. No, those are people who like high quality audio, I thought. Oh, yeah, though, though, no. you're right. Those are the tech those people in that yes. version. They're called yes. snobs. Snobs. And hipsters. Hipsters. I was waiting for hipsters. <laughs> oh, I saw that coming a mile away. But yeah, I mean, the, prob- the problem is, is there's a misconception, I think, on both sides of the aisle. Gamers are just as bad as non-gamers about the stereotype. Like we could be, or we could we could be better advocates of our hobbies. What you're saying? Um, like as a group, we could be a little less, more inclusive, maybe a little bit more trans. I don't know, more welcoming to outsiders. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I don't have a good solution to the problem because I can't identify well what the problem is. No, yeah. neither can I. I mean, I had this conversation with my uncle last night because he even openly me says, I really hate those video games because my nephews are 10 and 6. And my 6-year-old nephew, his life is Mario. Okay? That's all he talks about. He plays make-believe as Mario. That's his life. The other one, you know, he's 10. And it's what all the kids at his school likes. And I said to him, like, he's like, well, I think it's wrong that my kid's a gamer. And I said, well, what's wrong with it? He plays card games. He likes to play things that make him social. Right? So. Because he's I didn't not quite into soccer. Well, no, that, and that is the problem. My yep. uncle gets really upset because he should be playing sports and he should be doing this. And I said to him, I'm like, if a kid's not into it, you can't force them to be into it. It was the same oh, argument. That hasn't don't stopped understand. parents from trying for many, many years. No. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. You know. It's weird, though, to see the, the, the stuff go through. In, an, in enough years, this will look ridiculous, but it's so funny, too. You guys remember in the early 80s the talk of like how Dungeons and Dragons were ruining children? Oh, kids. my gosh. Yes, I was but, not allowed playing D&D. But give me a break. How many people would be devil. okay with their 10 year olds going and playing Dungeons and Dragons nowadays? Um, that's still not considered that kosher. It's something for older people to do. And even then, uh, you get fun of for it still. Like, what do you mean? In what sense do you mean not kosher? Like, oh, I can't believe my kid, you loser, go I, I outside. I think you'd have the same conversation if Sam, Sam's, uh, I guess it's your cousin, was playing Dungeons yeah. & Dragons with all his 10-year-old friends. His uncle, her would still have an issue with that i think i don't I, I feel like maybe less so today because it would be a bunch of kids in your house and you can walk in and check up on them and they're in there drinking mountain dew you can't you can't do Same. that with video games well that's what that's what i'm saying i think you know what with like manny that is the problem like my nephews had smash brothers parties and oh, even in that scenario because i was picturing maybe he's on xbox live connected to a headset no, no. starting my, at the screen my nephew is not allowed to play anything that is but first off, he doesn't. He has an Xbox. He has nothing for it, so that should tell you something right there. That's not NHL 13, <laughs> and basically they play everything on their on their Wii, right? He gets all his friends to come over. They have a tournament. It's great. And my uncle still bitches and complains. I don't, for me, that's less of a case because if I if like I'm just thinking of, but I know the kids are there. I can walk in and check up on them. No, exactly, and, and that's what my mom my mom said to him. It's like, dude. We can see what they're doing. They're not murdering each other. They're not beating on each other. This is a win. <laughs> you know, I would think though, to be as a dad, and I walked in, and oh, like a bunch of ten-year-old kids were going, were playing games. Like, well, at least he's not into drugs, but he, I'm never getting well, grabbed. And that's that's the funny part is, you know, my dad, you know, God love him, you know, when he was alive, and we used to go over to my aunt's house 
right? This is his brother. I call them my nephews because I'm 20 years older than both of them. And he would sit and play the games with them. Didn't have a freaking clue what he was doing. But he would take an interest because it was their interest. Right? And it was the same with Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons since I was 15. And he used to always just be like, yeah, that looks pretty fun. I'll, I'll try it out. I don't understand like what I'm doing, but I'll try it. <laughs> it's like the dad who goes to his daughter's tea party. It's not like you really want to drink pink tea and wear a tiara, but you but do you it do cause it your because your kids did it. When exactly. I was in, yeah. yeah. And I mean, when we were growing up, we we started playing D&D before basically we had really strong reading concepts. Like I think we were eight and nine when we started playing. So we always had to have one of Jeff's parents sitting with us and helping us suss out the big words in the D&D book. Okay, this is pronounced satanic ritual. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see, a level 10 tentacle demon? Oh boy, what are you playing? Miskatonic, what? All right, so let's see. When I was in high school, my my dad would play Magic the Gathering with me because I was into that, and he was like, oh, that looks cool. Why don't I use this as an excuse to play games with you? So we did that, so... No, I didn't. I didn't start playing tabletop until I was like twenty-two or something. <laughs> Late bloomer. Late bloomer. All right. Next letter, Tomika. I'm addicted to the podcast now, and I started listening to old episodes for background noise while spending oh. too many hours a day playing Sims Three, which I think is more of an RPG than Mass Effect because all it is is skill trees and playing a role. But whatever. Hoping to hear video game recommendations from the past. It is hilarious hearing you guys talk about how stupid mobile gaming on the cell phones is and that it's impossible to market. And now every episode you guys talk about what you're playing on your iPhone. You gotta understand, this was, be- this was before there was the iPhone. And mobile gaming then really was bad. Like, really, really bad. It was so bad. It was pretty terrible. There was no... They do fixed we still all remem- the problems, you know? Do we still remember the... Uh, do we still remember the... Um- the harrowing uh, that was the engage. Oh, oh my God. See, the, oh, fortunately, the, the podcast started the after the engage for the most part. The, the the taco phone. Yeah, we got to skip most of that. But you know, Chris, it's going to be a success because Tomb Raider's on the platform, and Tomb Raider Ooh. is a money maker. Ooh. On what, I remember oh, on that. Tomb Ra- oh, on the engage. All right. Uh, I wanted to thank you guys for promoting the Best Buy President's Day sale. Boom. You're welcome, dude. You're welcome. I got some great deals on video games and the Season 2 Game of Thrones Blu-ray, OMG. Ever since getting on Steam, I've never ha- I, excuse me, I've had a habit of never paying the retail price for video games, especially digital, because you know they're eventually going to be on sale in the future. I'd like to apply this to even physical copies of games, but I never know where to look to hear about video game sales before they happen. I try Googling sites dedicated to this, and all I find uh, are ones with Amazon ads for games I really don't care about. So if any of you could share your secrets, that would be awesome. And where the heck can I get a cheap Vita because I need Persona 4 Golden and OMG. I just saw a video with a guy showing off Final Fantasy X HD on the Vita, and now I really need it. I don't mind playing remakes if they are ported to portable. It's pretty awesome. Final Fantasy X is one of my favorite turn-based games. Love you all. Tomika. Well, Tomika, fortunately, there are two really good sites for or two really good resources for you. Uh, the first one is CheapAssGamer.com. This is your primary site. This is your bread and butter. Their forums um, there have all the de- deals. They're all conglomerated there. Um, you can find um, everything. If you want a little bit more casual uh, relationship with CheapAssGamer and don't want to make an account, you can just follow their Twitter feed and mm-hmm. some of the big highlights. If there's like a big major sale at Best Buy or like a deal of the day, they'll they'll tweet that and you can just go like, oh, and click the link and they'll take you right there. Um, what's the CAG deals, right? Yeah, I think so. 
I mean, yeah. that's like I, I think some people are scared to be cheap as a gamer because it's sort of a community that you have to jump into and sort of become a part of. But if you just want to casually, I think that they have a little – if you go on the front page, there's a yep. feed on the right-hand corner that shows like latest game deals. And yep. there's the Twitter feed, which is a very casual way of doing it. And you can see all – they've got weekly roundups of all the Sunday ads that are coming up. And the, like Amazon, for example, the, the buy, video game buyer for Amazon posts on CAG. Uh, cheap ass gamer is shortened to CAG. Uh, it posts on CAG to let people know about upcoming sales. So they, they know that it's a big resource and important, so they, uh, they take care of all of that their users there um what was the second thing the second other resource so yeah you want to follow cheap ass gamer and on twitter and the other one is video game underscore deals oh on twitter too yeah they post everything they post everything as well though they have a little bit of um advertising posts for their website like not like ads but like promoting their app and stuff so that's a little annoying to see that however it make they make up for it by posting deals that sometimes cag misses um what the heck there's another can't remember the actual Twitter account for the um, the cheap ass gamer game deals because it's not just um, cheap ass gamer on Twitter. It's something. Else. Um, I can look for it. There's another one right. called Gamer Deals, and they also do some stuff like Blu-ray. So like, there's like the time that the tw- uh, the Blu-ray collection oh, yeah. of all the Aliens movies was twenty dollars. I found out that through game- Gamer Deals at Gamer Deals. Yeah. Right now, Gamer Deals is sh- showing all the uh, Amazon PC Digital Farewell to February blowout sale deals. Oh, oh, here it is. The cheap ass gamer Twitter feed is at Video Game Deals. So at Video Game Deals, at Gamer Deals, and at Video Game underscore Deals. Oh, you know, uh, uh, um, if you do buy most of your games through Amazon, I think the best resource you can have is just an Amazon wish list. So what I have is an Amazon wish list because I have an Amazon Prime. So I have this Amazon wish list with all the games that I like. Because I learned, like, sometimes you'll see, like, a big news story across the internet, uh, Amazon Goldbox video game deals. And want to know the sad, the, the, the secret, is, the, the sad thing is that sometimes the games are cheaper before those Goldbox events, and they actually go up in price during the Goldbox events. Like, for example, uh, Hitman Absolution, just this week, for, like, the past four, for the past month, it's been twenty nine ninety nine on Amazon. Because mm-hmm. I know that because it's on my, my video game deal, on uh, my wish list. But during their Goldbox event... Where they had crazy sales on video games, it went up to thirty five ninety nine. Nice, and they are advertising like the best deal yet on on Amazon. It's like no, if you want the best Amazon deals, just make a wish list, have all the games you want on that list, and Amazon has some pretty smart tracking on their uh, on the wish list. So, for example, I added Hitman Absolution when it was sixty dollars, yeah, and it te- and by now that it's thirty, it says price dropped fifty percent. It says like price dropped. Since the time you added it. So it says right there, game dropped 50%. This game dropped 20%. This game dropped 30%. So I know how much cheaper they are. And what I like to do is I think Amazon's where I get my cheapest games. So I'll usually just wait like two or three weeks, maybe a month. And before long, they'll be $20. And the best thing you could do is check maybe – you just go in there maybe once every two days, every three days. The best deals on Amazon won't be advertised. You just got to check your wish list. I will tell you that Hitman Absolution right now – is sixteen dollars and forty nine cents for PC on Amazon for digital download. Yeah, so that is super cheap right now. So there's a big sale on that. Just funny that you bring that up. No, it's, it's great though. I mean, seriously though, the funny thing is, if you want great deals, just gotta check check every other day, check every check once a week. Like no one's advertising the fact that, like for example, Gears of War three, fifteen dollars on Amazon. No one's advertising that deal, but that's just how much it is right now. Spec up, you know, Sleeping Dogs, $30. Spec up the line, $30. Cheapo. 
And the other key to game deals is, of course, become a PC gamer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything is ten times cheaper if you're a PC gamer. Yep. Uh, but of hey, course, if, you want uh, the retail. If Metal Gear Rising was on PC, I'd buy it on PC. Hell yeah. Well, the one to buy on PC right now is DMC, apparently. Yeah, so. apparently that's like one of the best Capcom's best PC port today, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, there you go. That's how you save money. I, I, I wonder, though, if we're doing harm to the industry because we never buy anything full retail anymore. Yeah, but we'll buy stuff. We still buy stuff, though. We're not pirating it. It's, it's <laughs> we're digital. Not buying it used. I mean, and it's digital, so, you know, they got a lot more overhead on that. So Fair know. enough. I, feel, I don't wow. feel so bad about buying games, new games, really cheap because I know that they, the, the publisher was actually paid for that purchase, for that actual purchase. And the one who's actually usually taking the loss is Amazon because they're just trying to clear stock out. Yeah, screw Amazon. <laughs> hey, they get all of my business, so I don't feel so bad for them. They get a lot of mine, too. Yeah. Oh, that's I've right. Canada just got Amazon Prime, right? We did. Did, did you I'm sign up just... with Amazon Prime? Uh, no, I have not yet. Okay. It's on my to-do list of things. That How much does it cost in Canada for Amazon Prime for free two-day shipping? I don't even know. I have to check. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check. Because <laughs> I, uh, I remember, like, I talked to a lot of people, and they said, yeah, I would love to... Like, I know Americans are spoiled with their Amazon deals and Amazon sh- sh- shipping, but we don't have that here. Uh, I'm still really pissy that my Kindle account decided it finally had to go to Canada's Kindle account. The Kindle deals are so not as good. As the yeah, ones there's like four the books every day now in our Kindle deals. Yep. Well, ours is it's a monthly deal, which I don't oh, like that as sucks. much. Yeah, we have like a daily deal, four different books. One's always a romance book, one's a sci-fi book, and one's like a big bestseller. And there's usually a young adult novel. Oh, yeah, or like a children's book, yeah. Yeah. But you're a voracious reader, though, so who knows what would satisfy you? Voracious. Voracious. Oh, God, I've, I've counted my to-read pile, okay? I've probably got over 100 books easy that I need to sit and read. And you're probably going to read them all, aren't you? I will. At some point. And then my Kindle's probably got at least 60 sitting there by itself. Because back when I got it, you know, I was buying from the American store. So I was getting the deal. And even when you converted the price to Canadian, I was still paying like a dollar most of the time. Most of the time it was on par when I bought it. So, you know, I didn't have any problems. But I've been buying all my games from Amazon now because GameStop has managed to grew up enough of my pre-orders that I just don't have the patience for it anymore. Yeah, there was apparently a little controversy about um, the Metal Gear Solid Collector's Edition, Mm, where they took something like a thousand pre-orders for the Collector's Edition in Canada, more than they were going to have supply for. And they called people two days before the game came out and told them whether or not they were getting their Collector's Edition. Because, you know, that's yeah. smart. That's classy. You know what's funny, though? I feel like the more of a hardcore gamer you are, the less likely you are to shop at GameStop. I agree. Because you're going to get hooped if you do. Oh, GameStop. See, I got – the last one I got was Nino Cooney from GameStop. And that one actually came intact. No issues, no nothing. But I'll never forget years ago when I pre-ordered Persona 4. My mom was going to get it for me for Christmas. And the – people at the store were like, oh yeah, we totally don't have any more of the pre-order items. Meanwhile, they're sitting right there at the side of the desk. Oh no, those are reserved for me and my friends. <laughs> and my mom going, uh, guess what? 
you're going to give me one of those or I'm going to throw a nice big stink in the middle of the store to show what morons you are. And she did. She threw a stink in the store and they're like, okay, lady, we just want to get rid of you. Here, take it all. <laughs> I love pushy moms. They were reserved. Pushy moms get things done. And yeah, they, they were basically saying that um, mine wasn't supposed to come with anything except that it said on the receipt I had pre-ordered it. Wait, didn't that, that period come was, with that really nice art book? That's like that from. Uh, yep, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like the big yellow in book. Fact, um, I I ran into the same problem with that because I had actually ordered three copies of the game because I, I I sent one to I can't remember who I sent the the second one to. But the third one went to Lee in England, like Vortex, and they were like, yeah you pre-ordered and you only get one book and I'm like no I pre-ordered three copies I get three books and I had yeah. to go back and to the with them for like 10 minutes before I was like look I can just call your district manager and sort this out and they're like nope here you go it's like I shouldn't like, have there's to no reason be, for that. like a pitch to get you know the pre-order bonus that they've done I it to me get. for Harvest Moon games too uh, like every time they do the GameStop exclusive Harvest Moon plushie I still have never gotten one yeah. And I've pre-ordered most of my Harvest Moon games, and finally I was like, this is not happening anymore because you, you guys are just dicking me around, and I want well, my stupid plushie. Here's, here's the thing that drives me insane is Natsume sent something like three times more plushies as there are pre-orders just to make sure that everybody gets one. So I don't understand why the stores can't get them to the people that pre-ordered. Yes, you do. Yeah. You know exactly where those plushies are going. Uh, eBay. To everybody yeah. else. eBay. <sighs> or to just, your their friends, yeah. But I've had that happen I don't know how many times. Like, you know, I remember Scott pre-ordered for me Rune Factory 2, and it was supposed to come with that really cute little... It came with Chippy! Yeah, and never got it. They told him, there's no pre-order bonus for this. And he goes, uh, yeah, Yeah, there there is. I think that might have been when they weren't actually sending them to Canada. There was an issue with that for a little bit of time. This was all before I worked there, so I'm getting sort of post-mortem stories about these sort of shenanigans. I I love how every gamer has a GameStop story. The GameStop, like, it's our version of the airport story. Unless you're in England, in which case it's uh, a game game story, story, because we don't have GameStops. No, it really, it, it's funny. They made us wait on the tarmac for 40 minutes. It's our version is... And I had to argue for 20 minutes, and they finally gave me my keychain that I pre-ordered. <laughs> I know. I mean, it sounds so trivial, but I'm sorry. With the plushies? Screw no, you, I, I understand. I mean, that's that's the whole reason why you're giving them your money up front and well, promising yeah. them your business. So, well, I, you it's, know, I, it's like – go ahead. Yeah. Particu- and it was particularly frustrating this time around because um, – GameStop ended up being the only one who carried the plushie. Um, and it was supposed to be like three different retailers. And I don't know what happened, but um, Amazon stopped offering the plushie with pre-orders. Who's, um, who's clicking like they're playing a game? Somebody's clicking their keyboard like they're playing World of Warcraft or something. <laughs> I'm just noticing that. Well, Anna does appear to be online. Ah, is that Anna? And he knows because he's logged in! Oh, it's the two of you! <laughs> you know, actually, just just because just because I thought it was amusing, I logged into... Um, I, I, when I was logged into World of Warcraft earlier this week, I looked at my real ID list, and, and I saw Anna's name, and 
it, it said Anna was offline, it's fine. But for the time you'd been offline, apparently, you'd been offline for 44 years or something. <laughs> yeah, there's a bug with the real ID right now where every once in a while someone will show up as like 347 years offline and stuff like that. That's funny. That's precious. Oh, GameStop. So, yes, the GameStop sucks. Yep. What's new? All right, so next letter is really long, so let's see if we can tighten this up a little bit. Um, looks like Square Enix listened to the show because after we complained about there being no footage about Final Fantasy X HD, they released a video. That's true. Uh, Which is just character models all moving around, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> um, he's hoping we could do the same by talking about Final Fantasy Type-0. So Square Enix, release some footage about Final Fantasy Type-0 coming yeah, to the Yeah, have US. you noticed, like for the last two months, every time we talk about something, the next day, yeah. new footage or whatever comes out. We gotta talk like, about Panzer Dragoon Saga for a while, don't we? Panzer like, Dragoon we Saga. Panzer, oh, Panzer Dragoon Saga, yeah. Yeah. That would be. Like, nice. We talk about. There's been no news on uh, Infinity Blade Dungeons. There's been no news. Oh, Sony will never have a thing before. Like the next day, tickets go out. The next day, that studio closes. <laughs> we are terrible people. <laughs> the studio closes. We're a curse. No. Uh, let's see. What do we got? We've got a second section here about localization projects. Um, What's the question? Oh, what if fans of the Falcom RPG Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky pledged $500,000? Would Exceed maybe release Trails in the Sky's second chapter in English? I realize that, or considering the first chapter had more than a million lines of dialogue, I realize I'm probably underestimating the cost of the translation and the market demand, but I would just like you guys to weigh in. Oh, so basically, can we kickstart localizations for Japanese RPGs? Yeah. Hmm. Well, okay, I mean... well, the problem with second chapter really does have to do with, in a lot of cases, manpower for Exceed. Mm-hmm. They are exactly six people. Yeah. You're asking six people, three who actually do localization, to try yeah. their best to release a game where just it's a it's going to be a physically demanding job. Yep. And but I guess well, that money would be what? to hire new people. I mean, there are a lot of Maybe, companies that they could... Well, I mean, here's the thing is, is especially since they decided to um, pick up Rune Factory 4, which is huge text-wise. It's another big one. Yeah. It is It is bigger than like... Um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember the word count. I think it is three and a half times the size of the first Rune Factory and 75% bigger than Rune Factory 3. It's huge. I remember huge. just saying text-wise... It is on par with the first Legend of Heroes. Yeah, it is like a because million. Because they have to localize two sets of dialogue for both the girl side and the boy side, and that alone, yeah, is a lot. Yeah. Um, which I'm really excited that they're doing it. At the same time, I think people have to understand when it comes to certain publishers, it's not so much that they don't want to do it; it's definitely a case of not having enough manpower to do it. That's why you're seeing in the case of XC, you know, them throwing out smaller projects like Corpse Party. Because Corpse Party, for an example, was localized entirely by one person. Right? It's a small enough game where they know that, you know, they can turn a small profit on it and not have to do an insane amount of work. Whereas you're looking at Legend of Heroes and you definitely have to put in, like, I'll never forget Jess's stories that she told me about doing the first one. She was doing 12-hour days at home to the point where she cut her own hair because she was so frustrated. (laughs) 
So I think if they could, I'm sure they would. And truthfully, I think that we might have a better chance if we do ever see it on the PS3, since they re-released the first and second ones in Japan on PS3. And I wouldn't be surprised if XC decides, you know what, we'll take the text from the PSP1, plop it into the PC version, and plop it into the PS3 versions, and just put them out as plus versions, if it means that they can make that little bit of extra cash. Again, is it possible? I don't know. Would it be entirely unrealistic? But you're you're getting off of the yeah. point. Um, the I point am. is, how do we? Use, could they use Kickstarter to to help them in this process? Is that a realistic thing that they should look no, into? No, because they don't need money. No, they have money. Well, I mean, they could use that money to hire more translators or to farm out the translation of this to a studio that has more time to do the translation while they do their other projects, right? The problem is, is there's no accounting for quality. Well, but there are a lot of good. Um, translation studios out there now. Uh, 8 4 Play, for example. Yeah, but 8 yeah, 4 Play, play also... is busy. I'm sure they're busy. Say, they, yep. they have a lot of business. Yeah, they have a lot of business. I understand. You know, I, I like that, that. People don't realize that those Kickstarter, all those millions of dollars, all the money that goes into Kickstarter, you think you're, ba- you know, you're making, you're buying better graphics and you're buying like bigger games. But you, what you're really buying is you're paying for someone's food and their rent. So they can focus 100% on making this for you. And we can only afford to pay him with this much money for six months. And this guy for like, you know, seven. That is just quite literally what you're paying for. Someone's rent. So they can focus and not worry about that and make your game for you. And like I said, we have to be logical in the sense that with some of the smaller publishers, it's also a time factor. Do they have time on top of, you know, some of the other projects that they're doing? I mean, if you compare it to something like In Exile Studio where... Wasteland 2 was the only thing they're working on now. That's different. Yeah, they'd I rather mean, take and they're a, a developer. Yeah. So it's they'd rather take their time to do it whereas if you look at Exceed, you know, they've already announced their entire lineup for the whole year. I think the problem with Exceed is that they're just too traditional of a company right now and they're owned by a Japanese company and all this other stuff. They, yeah. they, this isn't really something for them to experiment with. So yeah. that's probably the bigger and, issue. Yeah, the, if anything they're probably make they're probably making as much money or more money just localizing what they have already yeah. with their full plate than you know for all we think like five hundred thousand is probably a lot of money, but then at licensing costs and blah 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 and it's like who knows how much that actually pans out after you include oh the fact that we have to give your make your Kickstarter rewards and your t shirts and your so what we've got <laughs> a better sh- chance of is another u s company doing a Kickstarter and localizing that game other than Xseed. Assuming XC doesn't somehow have it locked down to them, like so, like a small company who yeah. actually who's hungry for it, yeah. and they would make um, the sacrifices. Maybe, but don't forget that this is a two way street. They also whoever decides to localize it also has to have a good enough relationship with Falcom that the developers will continue working with them on it. Mm. And yep. that's a little tricky to have. All right, Japanese parent yeah. companies are fun. Well, and this is something that. Um, that Robert and I, uh, Z-Boyd and I, were discussing yesterday because I feel like this is sort of like the dirty laundry of the industry that no one wants to talk about. Because if you complain about the fact that it takes Japan forever to get back to you, then no one in Japan wants to work with you anymore. Pretty much. You know what's funny, too? Another thing is that all this money you think that how much you raise on Kickstarter isn't as much as you really think it is. Uh, Jordan Weissman just made an update on, his, on for the Shadowrun Returns Kickstarter, and they talk about how much money they actually have to make the game. So they made 
close to two million dollars, like one point one one point eight million. And they said that after PayPal fees, Amazon fees, Kickstarter fees, paying Microsoft for the Shadowrun license, and then producing all of the Kickstarter rewards and then shipping them out, that they have just under one point two million to make the game. So that's over six hundred thousand dollars and just right off the from the beginning gone from that money. Yeah, and so you I, think like, oh, uh, my 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 take on it is going forward to Kickstarter. Stop stop focusing so much on rewards and physical rewards. I don't they're, think that's, yeah. I think they're hurting more than they help. The oh, rewards. absolutely. They just don't realize it. And I mean, I, I I think that that's a that's a hard lesson that people had to um, learn because even for example, Zeboid, they didn't do that many physical rewards for their Kickstarter. They had, yeah, I think it was like you had to spend at least a hundred dollars to get a physical reward. But at the same time, when they shipped me my poster, it cost them a lot. Because yeah. they didn't charge it. They didn't. Extra. They didn't put on. Is well, what yeah. kills these things. Nobody yeah. realizes how expensive expensive shipping something is, so it won't break. Yeah. And you have to put right. on that extra charge for international. You have to remember to. Oh. Do that. I can at least. I can at least appreciate the cost of international shipping, but only because I import PS3 games on a, with alarming regularity. But could you imagine that? Say like six hundred thousand off the top of your Kickstarter reward money. I mean, your Kickstarter money before you even. Put anything before you even yep. start on day one. Yeah, that's. Oh yeah, no, no. it's it's that's not it's nasty, cost wise. That is. So uh, yeah, that's what makes me wonder. After fees, how much is that five hundred thousand really mm-hmm. going to help to make to localize a game? Uh, money, yo. Yo. This guy has like four other paragraphs. <laughs> I know, right? It's good good discussions. Uh, Ocelot had a query a couple weeks ago about good RPGs for iOS. So here's some things thrown out. Um, Heroes Call is a good one, he says, for both iOS and Android. has several character classes, and people compare it to Diablo or Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance. Uh, graphics are great for mobile game. It can be played in quick 10-minute or so missions. Uh, also plays Knights in Pen and Paper, and it really enjoys that, like Anna. So Knights in Pen and Paper and Yay! Heroes Call, two plugs for you there. Um, also, finally, oh, not finally, second to finally, I wanted to offer up the game I think can make great use of new gaming hardware technology. Button Kaitos, which has a card-based battle system. Would play great in a touchscreen device. Button Kaitos has some of the best-looking pre-rendered backgrounds of any games I've ever played. <laughs> um, it's also one of two JRPGs I'm aware that features throwing a banana as attack as an attack no no you have to wait until it's rotten to throw it and in fact we just actually recorded the rpg backtrack on the two bait and kato's games so oh, keep yeah? watching for the oh, site nice. yes that's what i was doing on tuesday ah okay when i was worried that you somehow fainted and fell asleep all night long in a coma or something you didn't get back all right sam this next one is for us manny said he has been meaning to play devil summoner does he mean the shin megami tensei devil summoner raido kuzunoha games for ps2 the Devil Summoner Soul Hackers game that's being remastered for 3DS. Well, I can tell you it's not that. Manny doesn't buy new games. Or the SMT <laughs> Devil Survivor games Anna likes. Raido Kozunoha 2 features early 1900s Japan using demons to solve simple adventure game style puzzles and a nutty mad scientist who fuses demons for you in his basement. And for Anna, there's also a talking cat who is your sidekick. Um, the only thing Manny may not like is it features SMT demon conversation systems to win them over to your side. Like, do you think I'm sexy? Quit hitting me on oh, me. Are you I joking? You. That was my favorite part of Nocturne is the demon negotiation. That's oh. what I loved so much about it that it but they wasn't. Like, they trick you. 
it's great. You never know what's going to happen in each battle. Every yeah. negotiation is different depending on the type they are, depending on – you have to – eventually you have to learn the quirks of each demon to get them to join you. Mm. And I like it so much more. It's like this notion that that these demons are your equals. They're your part, you're, you're making partnerships with them. You're making agreements, like making these packs, not just like wild animals that you throw – that you capture into, sl- into slavery, <laughs> Put them into slavery and make, you, and make them do your Pokemon. <laughs> I, are you joking? I, I love negotiations. But yes, um, okay, so Sam and I were just talking before the podcast that we are serious. We we want to do Devil Summoner Rido 2 because we both have them opened. <laughs> and I think, Anna, you have it un- uh, sealed too, right? She just ran off, but she did say earlier, yeah, that was the case. And, uh, it seems like this is a game that a lot of us bought because we wanted that, that Jack Frost plush toy, and we always intended to play it. And then something happened, and here we are, like five years later, and, and we still haven't started it. So I think Sam and I, we we gotta start a game club on on the forums, and maybe do a, like a backtrack on it later once we, we finished it, and we can discuss it in length. I think okay, we well, need there to is do an that. RPG backtrack coming up for it in May. Oh, so so in it's May, totally happening. Yeah. So One okay, second. so now I know. I, I I maybe I should play this before I play Witcher Two. I would play right. it before Witcher Two. All right, let's start. Let's 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 uh, let's start a thread. Let's, let's put start it on talking the forums. about. It. Let's get some people. Yep. That sounds like an idea. And we'll I'll talk about it on the we'll talk about it in multiple locations every week. I'll give you a little bit like a ten like a five minute discussion on what's going on in the and how far you got. All right, sounds good. All right. I've been guilted into it by multiple people, so we should do it. We'll make a we'll do a, a game club. All right, that letter was from Brennan. Thank you, Brennan. Next letter is from Phoenix. Says, hi, guys. I've been playing Nino Kuni for a few hours now, and I'm not really impressed with the slow grind and repetitive combat. What are your thoughts on this game, and do you feel that the lack of substantial RPGs recently makes games like Nino Kuni a rare occurrence and thus a more accepted standard in the RPG world? Thanks, for, as usual, for a fantastic show, my friends, and now all subscribing. Okay, all the best. So, I think this guy was looking for something that wasn't a traditional RPG. RPG. Well, possibly. Um. All I can tell you, man, is uh, nobody on the show right now has played it yet, and that's because I'm too I'm too invested in Tales of Graces F right now to just drop it and start Nino Kuni, especially since I hear Nino Kuni's a real long one. So, um, so is Tales of Graces. So I need to finish that first. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've heard the same thing that you have. The I, I've have heard from many people on other podcasts I listen to that the game does get really grindy, but not a few hours in. I hear that it happens like thirty hours in. So, don't know what to tell you there. All right. Finally, the Ocelot letter for the week says, Dear RPG Playcasting play 4, nice. If you, if you are reading this during the feedback part of the podcast, stop. Save this for news. Oh, okay. Hey, everybody, let's start our news section. <laughs> All right. Yay, news. First news section, because that was our last letter. If you'd like to submit a letter, I know, let me tell you, I'll send an email at podcast.rpgamer.com or send us an MP3 file. We'll play it right here on the show. You can also leave us a voicemail at 608-729-4098. So podcast.rpgamer.com, 608-729-4098. And, of course, you can go to our message boards at board.rpgamer.com. Go to the latest update section, and in there you'll find a thread for the podcast leave your message in the thread all right now as we get into the news the meat of the podcast we've got a commentary on our news from uh, ocelot says now that you've made it this far you must be doing news which means you're talking all about the playstation good i've got some points i'd like to make and get your feedback on all right so everybody knows this week um 
just to, before we get into this letter, the PlayStation Four was unveiled. It was a big I didn't unveiling. Know this. Right? Oh, Sam, the PlayStation Four was unveiled this week. There was a big two-hour event that Sony put on, and they showed off some tech specs for the PlayStation Four. They showed off the controller that now is a touch screen on the front of it and a share button that helps you post stuff to like YouTube and stuff. They showed off the the menus, which are much more modern style with live video going while you're going through your menus. And it looks, to me, they look nice. Um, and they showed a handful of games that um, I honestly couldn't give a crap about. And then, uh, and then some Square Enix issues, which we'll get into later. Um, yeah, so, all right. They, they, they didn't show the system itself, physically at least. But that doesn't really matter because... Who cares? It's a black box. Um, number one, why was the PlayStation form factor not shown? It, is it because it's secretly a giant zombie dragon robot that's being controlled by Katsuo Hurai? Because it sounds like it's not done yet, and it's just going to end up being a black box that you put in your entertainment center, so who cares? That's what I say. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they, either it's not done with it yet, or they want to use that as you know a reason to get more press later on, which, you know, yeah, that makes sense. Go ahead and use it as a reason to get more press later on. But what I hear is, like, they, they're still changing some of the internals. Like, uh, the addition of the 8 gigs of GDR5 RAM was late. Was like, was like a late addition. It's uh, a good so addition. It is. So, you know. I wouldn't worry about it too much. And this thing looks like it's going to be a beast. Well, you know, even if it's gigantic at first, it'll get smaller over time. Look how tiny the, the latest sliding PS3 is. I, I don't know. I have the original George Foreman grill style. So. Oh, it's so heavy. Like, by comparison, it looks like a toy, a children's toy, the new PS3. Mm. Yeah, that's what you want your console to look like a toy. Well, I guess well it's cheap and easy to make. Oh, all right, fair enough. Number two, I'm digging. I'm digging the fact that the controller is not much different than the current controller. Just better. I'm not sure how the touchpad will work, though. It looks like it might be awkward to use while holding the controller. Can't wait to try it at E3. So, someone's assuming they're going to E3. Yeah, so he'll be going to the E3. Ah, how's he going? Um, he does stuff with the company that sends him there. <gasps> cool. I don't want to get too much into it because I think he'd prefer I don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, he uh, he'll and so what do you guys think that the controller is? You know, yeah, no on the touchscreen. I'm yeah, curious about. I'm more cur- honestly, I'm more curious about the sticks. I don't really get what the touchscreen can be useful for. Well, you say touchscreen. I think that may. Oh yeah, sl- touchpad. Sorry, it's it's not a touchscreen. It's a touchpad. It's like a trackpad on your laptop. Which, like, do I really need a mouse cursor thing? Because I'm yeah, not going to use it to aim in games. No. I, I might use it to draw maybe a little bit, but it's not going to be very useful because it's too small. Here's my question. Is it, is it a button? Because otherwise it's going to be Ooh. awkward that you move your thumb to the center, you move it around, and you push another one of the buttons to, to activate that choice. Uh, it would be cool if they had, like, the, the Mac left click, right click, and the bottom corners of that thing or something. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Then it might be useful. Just rest in your lap, and you can maybe just use it as a cursor when you're in certain menus, like maybe the movie, the 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 Netflix menu or something. Yeah, that's what I think it's going to be used for is more gesture controls, so like sweeping left and right and up and down on things and scrolling. But imagine like two fingers scrolling on the page. But I have two sticks for that. I don't need a touchpad when I've got the two analog sticks for that. Well, I always well maybe you have finer grain control over certain mm-hmm. menus with that. I guess, but I mean, uh, I don't know. like, have you ever used like the the the, the analog stick as a, as a cursor? Yes, that's it's bad. Off. Yeah, that's no good. But at the same time, I don't want to do anything with a cursor on a on a controller 
on a TV, really. Because I remember I've used those sticks as a cursor when I'm in the browser. Yeah, don't the, use the PS3 browser. browser. And it was terrible, and I never used it again. So maybe if that could mitigate it, but it might I mean, not be that big. But the way we're moving is to everybody have a tablet sitting around that they can use as their browser while they're on the console, right? But you have to still buy a tablet and have yeah, it next to you. Yeah, you're right. But I guess you, this is for people who don't have that tablet. Now, that if you do have a tablet, they've announced there's going to be a PlayStation app that will hook your tablet into the PS4 somehow. And not just a Sony Walkman tablet. It seems no, like, like any Android iPad or and Android. Stuff. I don't know if they've announced one for Windows 8 tablets, though. Yeah, <laughs> Probably <know>. not. <laughs> and somebody's falling asleep. I'm here. Oh, okay. Somebody sounded like they were snoring. It was weird. It's my dog. She's oh, being... Oh, okay. She's behind me. Uh... Being super cuddle face. Super cuddle face. I've got a cat doing the same thing over here. It's just She's more quiet because she's a ninja cat. All right. So the PlayStation Eye, the improved PlayStation Eye, now with stereoscopic vision. Sure hope it's a gazillion times better than the Kinect, even though it looks just like a Kinect. Uh, we don't know anything about it at all. Well, we, we do know that it... It doesn't seem to have the infrared stuff going on. It seems at, it's just purely visual, and it's looking at the colors on the controllers as well as the PlayStation. So move. it can judge the depth of the distance between you and the cameras. Yeah. So it can see. So yeah, it can. It should be as accurate as the move, even with just the controller, and it can tell how far away you are, which is useful for something maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but Keyword as far as maybe. saying if it's going to be connect like, we don't know that. At I mean, all. we can't get connect to be useful. So how are we going to get this to be useful? All right, who's playing a video game now? Who's, what are you playing? Now, how Me? Come I'm not, I don't know. I think Somebody's cutting their nails. I'm hearing blink, 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 blink. Harvest Moon. Oh, I is that you? Turned it down. <laughs> Turn the sound off. <laughs> I did. I just did. <laughs> it's just hard because the game is so glitchy and I can't tell when like stuff is going in my box or not. Ah, okay. Blame Anna. <laughs> the official harvest properly. yes which one is this boy and girl you boy say and girl yeah well stop Piece playing of... an old one get the new one um i've played all the new ones i've well, reviewed all the new ones chris well then play something else jeez surely you've Mindless. got something else to catch up on <laughs> all right number four yes. games 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 seems like an okay reveal but nothing got me that incredibly excited maybe the witness was the most intriguing games uh which one was the you witness, know why Manny? oh the D- jonathan blow Oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah? No, oh, well, you. come on. You don't like Jonathan Blow. No, I, I didn't I didn't understand what the game was, except it was like it was supposed to be missed, except every puzzle was the same instead of being unique and different. There's stuff on there. You can find it. Like like I said, there wasn't big news reveals because that's what E3 is for. That, that was my frustrating part about The Witness is how everything seemed to be the same style of line puzzle. And I was like, well, why isn't, you know... Why aren't you having, oh, I, like, I, environmental puzzles and stuff? I'm I still can't. I still can't get over the braid as a metaphor for the atomic bomb. Yeah, whatever. He, he won't even say with that stuff, though, right? Just wait for it in the game, the movie, too. Ah, all right, then we'll find out. Um, so what... Oh, right. yeah, but no, but all indie game, the movie made me want to do was strangle Phil Fish. Yes, well, Phil Fish kind of does that naturally. Um, Project Destiny exclusive content. Wonder what that will be. Probably not much. So here's the thing. Let's talk about the games. Oh, but first, he says, ask Capcom to rename Deep Down to Dead Souls, or any name with souls in it, for that matter, <laughs> since it looks like kind of a Dead Souls kind of kind of vibe going on there. So as far as the games that were announced, did anyone care about any of them? 
Yeah, Watch Dogs. Watch Dogs, okay. Which I'm buying on the PC anyway. Which will be on every platform, it looks like, including the PS3 and the Wii U. So, okay. So, Watch Dogs will... I don't know. I'm betting, though, if you get a PS4 and Watch Dogs, it's going to look nicer than most PC setups. So... Well, uh, I don't know. I, th- I think I have a similar card to the one that they're intending on installing. But you don't the, uh, have an eight-core yeah, processor with um, no. I, stu- I have weird a, stuff I have a f- got. I, I have a four-core processor, but I do have sixteen gigabytes of RAM. Yeah. Yeah, but is it GDDR3 or GDDR5? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it might be GDDR3. But then again, there's nothing stopping me from upgrading there, that. When you've got dedicated hardware, you can do things that you don't have an option to on a PC. So it'll be interesting to compare these games in, in the holiday to see how they compare to top-end PCs. Because um, if top-end PCs are still ahead of them... Well, well I mean, what? PS4 is, planning to, PS4 is planning to come out, what, end of this year? Yep, holiday yeah. 2013. Yeah. Uh, by then... Um, with any luck, if I have a job at least, I will have probably replaced both the motherboard and my processor, probably up to an i7 or whatever the hell Intel's latest effort is. But, you know. Which I thought was I'm interesting. Like, PS3 is going to be a, um AMD setup. AMD. Yeah, I have an AMD at the moment. I'm just... Yeah, it sounds like both of the new consoles are AMD APUs. But that might make sense, because if you're looking for processors and a graphics card, AMD can give you both. Whereas NVIDIA, you would need to go Intel slash NVIDIA or AMD slash NVIDIA. So, what they're really looking for is just making it easier for developers and not yeah. have to you know, have to worry about a new architecture. They, they even apologize, basically. This is like, yeah, we messed up by putting the cell in here and making it so different from PCs that all your games are crappy. <laughs> We're sorry for that. quite like that, but yeah. So, hmm. All right. Um, did you – did anybody care about the, the infamous game here? Because I didn't. What, it was a CG cutscene. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. You know, I just like it's a new console. Let's have new IPs. You know, that's what I'm say. worried about. Like, why are we still having more sequels? They announced another kill zone. Like, seriously? Come on. Watch. I think was watched. Well, the Toblerone guy was. Uh... Oh, <laughs> the Toblerone. The uh, blank crank. That yeah. looked like a kids game, like a baby game. I don't know. <sighs> no? I know it's a, a sequel, but I'm excited for Witcher Three. Okay, yeah, but that's also going to be <laughs> Again, on PC, isn't on it? On everything. Yeah. It's probably going to be on everything. But I yeah, that has been announced too, for but, PS4, yeah. But you know, Geralt, yep. more of him. Yeah. Well, we'll get Sexy to that time. later. We'll get to that later. Uh, all right, number five. Sexy I'm most, times now. <laughs> I'm more interested in the streaming capability, including streaming to directly to a Vita or PlayStation phone. Very curious how it will work and what they come up with that will make the Wii U look ancient. Of course, despite a million promises, we'll see what actually rolls out. So, I like that. Uh, I'm wondering how it's going to stream and if it'll go further than my Wii U uh, thing does so that I can actually use this in my bedroom um, and play remote play. I I did love how the PS4 is going to stream and, like, it's going to do all the processing so the game that you're playing on your Vita looks super high-res and nice, and that'll be great. So, I'm, I'm excited for that. I think that's a great feature. By the way, please buy Vita, they say. We would really like you to buy a Vita. <laughs> I love my Vita. It's a good system, so having something to do with that would be nice. Yeah. I've beaten all my games on Vita. Wait, what if you can flip over the Vita and use the backtrack pad on that instead yeah. of the one in your controller? <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> I wish the Vita didn't have a back touch pad because it just gets in the way and messes me up in games. Yeah. That's oh my pro- goodness! Absolutely. I wish I could just <sighs> shut it off at the system level. You know what the worst part is? For like a, for the first year and a half, 
Sony first-party titles are going to force that touchpad into all of their games, yep. and the fact that the that the that connect that camera can detect where you are. So just imagine if you thought it was bad using the six-axis in those first-generation PS3 games. Imagine that with a touchpad and a move controller. So now, when you play Uncharted, you're going to have to stand up and lean left or right um, yourself. Yep. Instead of tilting the controller. Oh, and then move closer to move closer mm-hmm. to the off the off the log. Yep. And then when you fall off the log, you're gonna have to use your cursor to use your mouse. <laughs> to... It's terrible. Well, I was gonna say, you know, I hate that back uh, touchpad just for the sole fact that playing Assassin's Creed Liberation, you'd accidentally touch it just, you know, doing something. And Malin's like, oh, so you want to steal from this person? No, I don't want to steal from this person right now. Oh, no, everybody's going to get you because your notoriety's up. And me going, oh, crap. Yep. And it's just because you don't mean to touch it, but because it's there, the yeah. game makes the assumption you're going to do something, yeah. even though you're And is not. there no way to disable it? No. Or remap that control? I don't think I so. I guess. Yeah. I didn't think to do that. I just sort of... Probably not. most games don't give it. you that option. I mean, that's you know that's one of the features people are really hoping for in the next generation is that like every game lets you fully remap controls, like at a system level. That would be like an actual useful thing for these people to do. That'd be nice. Whatever. Bonus question: Predict the price time. What price will they charge, and will you buy it at that price? All right, everybody. Six hundred bucks. Six hundred bucks. I think there's going to be two SKUs. The one you want is going to cost 500 but the one that they're marketing to people as a cheap one is going to be like four something. Mm-hmm. 700 No, you can't keep going. You can't outbid yourself. Oh, so this is not like price right. No, no. 701 John, you have a guess. <laughs> Did you fall Wait, asleep? Wait, sorry. Muted. No, yep. muted. Nope. Um, okay. No, I don't have a guess. All right. And Anna. <laughs> Eight seventy-five. Anna's fallen asleep. Anna's out for a minute. Did you not see her message? It's been much longer than a minute. <laughs> All right, let me look at the message. Oh, yeah, never mind. Okay, so what price will they charge? I think it'll be three ninety-nine for the entry-level SKU. And well, is I... that the one you're going to want, though? No. Uh, I think <laughs> it'll be three ninety-nine and th- and four forty-nine. And I'll probably have to get the 449 one. Whether or not I'm going to buy it this year, more than previous years, I've been thinking about whether or not I really should be spending money on things at launch. The only reason I got a Wii U is because Anna was so hyped for it. Um, I'm really going to pay attention and and see whether or not I'm going to have anything to do with the PS4, especially mm-hmm. after the Wii U and the way it's worked out and how useless it is right now for me. Um, so I, there needs to be like two or three games that I'm actually going to like have fun doing something with before I jump in on it um, yeah. or good sale or bundle or something um, to really draw me in, I think. Cause but, you know, another console, the Xbox 360 is presumably a sequel successor is going to come out at the same time. So you're asking yourself, well, do I buy both launch consoles? Does either one have something exclusive or great that I really want and can't get anywhere else? Do I just want to spend like a thousand dollars on consoles right now? Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't seem to make much sense. But I don't want to pick, because I don't want to turn into a console fanboy. Um, ooh, someone's buzzy. All right, so let's see. What price can they charge to make this a day one purchase for you? Um, I, I, don't, it's, I think it's not most... Uh, $5. $5. <laughs> <laughs> I think... No, it's not- 
it's not so much about the price. It's going to be you know an expensive piece of hardware regardless. You just I have to have reasons to I'll tell put you, that money out. I, I will tell you, if it came out at two ninety nine, I probably wouldn't think about it as much. Hmm. That that's in the price range that I'm like, oh, I may as well have this thing for the podcast. When it's when you get to three ninety nine, it trips a lot of my alarms. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and why is there a reason for that? Yeah, I'll never forget when the PS three came out and it was like what seven hundred. Yeah, no, 600. I remember well, working at Best Buy that year and being like, how do you have seven hundred dollars to spend, you thirteen year old kid? Oh wait, you're spending mommy and daddy's money, right? Wait, wait, Sam, you forgot though. Um, people are going to work second jobs to get yeah. a PS. See, and that's the other thing. When I got my PS3, I waited for a price drop before I got it, and and Super Stardust HD is the thing that really pulled me in, um, which is dumb because it's a PSN yep. game, but I loved it. Um, I got an Xbox 360 like three years later, like after three or four years after it came out, and I had a great time picking up all the best games for like less than $20 and just going through this yeah. huge back catalog. I think for me, I, I didn't pick my PS3 up until actually it was after I saw Manny in the summer, and we were talking about Yakuza. <laughs> and then I yeah. bought Yakuza 3 with my PS3 and I have no regrets since then but I waited long enough because the price was a lot more reasonable and Scott, he got an amazing deal on his Xbox, he bought it I think two years after and it was you get free Guitar Hero with it Nice. <laughs> so he got, everything was free with it and he only paid like 200 bucks and that was a Best Buy deal oh, cool so, I mean, we we haven't paid full price for any of the recent consoles. Um, and I can't justify spending that kind of money right now. Yeah. Um, hmm. I think that's the problem is Sony has to find a price that's reasonable for people to actually want to go out and spend their money. And the problem is they they pick these absurd numbers that they hope will, you know... Well, Make I mean, but there, there's yes, a lot of hardware in this thing. It's going to be an expensive box. Well, I oh, think absolutely. they're just going to. I don't doubt that. They're going to ride the hardcore way for a little bit. Yeah, they'll get their first adopters who will spend that money and then drop the price later. Yeah, the guys with the PlayStation tattoos. Hmm. I know. Actually, I know plenty of people with real life PlayStation symbols tattooed on their arms. Yeah, it's not too bad. There's worse things you could get tattooed. I just retweeted a picture of someone who got a Kratos Ooh. tattooed on their leg. Yeah. That but it's a very a bad Kratos. Yeah. But it's like, but he looks like he, he looks like he has like a a, a birth defect or something. Like, the, the, it's a really bad tattoo. It's really bad. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, it's not so much price. It's just give me. It's just, it's more like value and reason. You know, yep. tired well, of my logic is also image. give me a reason to buy the thing. Well, Square Enix showed up at the PlayStation meeting and didn't give us much of anything. I was going to say, did they do anything relevant? (laughs) Nothing. Stand there and be Square Enix and be like, yeah, we have games, I think. Okay, you know that... That, that Agni demo, the Project Agni yes, video the, demo? Yes, the, the next generation Target demo that they showed at E3 last year. It was a uh, big fancy, had summonings and all that stuff, yeah? That's what they showed at this event. Yeah. Big reveal. And then the president of one of the presidents or like vice presidents of Sony walked on stage and says, that's not all we have to show you. We have a new Final Fantasy to show you at E3. Ha ha ha. See you later. Wow, Square Enix made, is made of trolls. So it's like, why did they even show up? Is the question? Yeah, honestly, and, uh, that's a good question. I don't know why. Well, they considering bothered. considering how people treat them online these days, uh, I would say uh, I, Square Enix is full of trolls because the internet is full of trolls. 
Absolutely. But at the same time, it's like, why did you waste time showing up to an event where you basically said, oh, we don't have anything? Remember no, that game we keep telling you about versus 13? Is it real? Because I'm starting to presume, wonder if it's made Presumably, of, they know. just wanted to relate their, their PS4 development with the, PS, the actual reveal of the PS4, despite the fact it was a video that most people have already seen. I mean, you got to remember, this is about investors as well. Who probably oh, did, funny, did, didn't check the internet obsessively for videos of whatever Square Enix was developing before this point. Over I, th- like, I think three million people turned into various live streams on different sites to watch this present presentation. So a lot of people who normally wouldn't watch an E3 presentation were actually watching this. Three million people watching this live, which is really interesting and it's funny because I follow a few, quite a few Apple pundits on my Twitter feed. And they were mean and belligerent. They're like, this is the most boring thing I've ever seen. This is so crappy. Like, like, what were you expecting? Have you never seen a video game press event before? They all are terrible. And the fact that <laughs> we like this is because it's not as terrible as the other ones. I would, I would actually make very snarky comments about Apple here, but I'll refrain. Yeah. To be fair, though, those are some pretty good press events. They were, at least. I think they're relatable more to real people than, but man, video game press events are terrible. They are terrible, and this was one best, of the better ones, though. <laughs> yes, exactly. So when these guys were like criticizing them, like, "Are you what are you smoking?" As far as pre- press conferences go, they're they're telling us things. Yeah, and they're they, not. <laughs> and they're, they're getting the details out there so we can actually talk about this stuff now. That was the uh-huh. point of this, you know, a little bit of marketing. Yeah, they do the nice fancy video production, but really the point is to. To, to talk about it so that people don't have to violate NDAs anymore. Yeah. Oh, man. But I'm just saying, if you thought this was a bad press conference, let me just remind you of three gems really quickly. Uh, Ubisoft, about two years ago, where they had laser tag mm. in the middle of the press conference. Wasn't that three years oh, ago? God. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. There was the Jamie Kennedy one where he was high for Activision, and he was uh, getting heckled by members of the press. And there was finally the Konami fiasco. Which one? <laughs> Which one exactly? I mean, the one million troops. A million one million troops. troops. Uh, are we forgetting uh, Sony's E3 presentation from 2006? Which? How bad was 599 that? 599 US dollars. Uh, Ridge Racer and um, uh, Giant Enemy Crabs, all from the oh, same conference. Do you remember the the, the Vita announcement where uh, uh, Kazurai was booed? Booed by the audience because he announced that uh, the the uh, 3G version was coming to AT and T. I was there for that. <laughs> I, I think I booed. <laughs> but seriously, who boos at a press conference? I know. Gamers do. Gamers. Yeah, say, gamer Barney, quote unquote you know, journalists who are you know busy why, though, cheering and applauding a press conference before the thing starts. Say what? So everyone is a little sauced and angry. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. We're horrible people as gamers. Come on. You don't know social skills after all. But not only that, not only are press events bad, I think we as press enjoy the fact that they're bad so we can make snarky comments on Twitter while it's going on. Yep. You mean because gamers are misanthropes? I I think we're just adapting to the situation, Manny. Where. This is is how we cope with it. Wheels didn't fall off this time. Yeah. Like, kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, I think we're just coping. Um. If it was good, we'd, we'd adapt to it being good. But, all right. So, <laughs> that wasn't all that was announced at the Sony thing. Blizzard showed up. 
Yeah. And this was like, oh my gosh, Blizzard's here. What's going on? And unfortunately, all it was is exactly what we figured. Yeah, you know that console version of Diablo 3 that's going on? We're announcing it for PS4 and PS3. So Chris Metzen will- came up and he was Chris Metzen and is like, hey, I'm cool. I write stuff at Blizzard, so buy our hey, game. I will say this, though. He was the only one who, who didn't read off a teleprompter yep. and actually had charisma and yep. personality. <laughs> he actually knows what he's doing and how to present and, and work a group. So thank you, Chris Metzen, for making it the press event. For making everyone else seem that much more pathetic and sad. Yep. By <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> what do I do with my hands? I'll just put them in front of me. Yes, he, he knows what to do with his hands. He no, <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, Destiny people did not. So there, that's the announcement from Blizzard and PlayStation 4 is scheduled for holiday release, but we don't know when Diablo 3 will be out. Um, and, of course, since it's Blizzard, the answer is, of course, when we feel like it. Leave us alone. <laughs> I think it must be hard to be a Blizzard fan with that logic of, it's going to come when I feel like it. It's Well, when we're done well, with it. it. Uh, well, I mean, at least CD Projekt Red took that view when they did the Cyberpunk reveal. You know, you know with what? its That's release, with its, good thing. with its yeah. release date, when it's ready in big capital letters. See, but I live with the cyberpunk fanboy, and he just sits here antsy and goes, "Every time they show me something, I get a little bit more upset because <laughs> I'm not any closer to playing." <laughs> you know, I think the, the piss that makes me more angry about Blizzard is like when it's supposed to be an expansion, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Heart of the S- three part story. It'll be here in no time." Three years later, Heart <laughs> of the S- out next month. Three years yeah. later? What? Is it three years? Oh my gosh, it came out in 2010, didn't it? Yeah. It's yeah, it's three did. years. Oh, almost three years, but yeah, okay. Wow. It's going to be like another three years before you finish the StarCraft story. I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah. I'm glad I've had GSL in the interim to watch StarCraft stuff. All right. <laughs> I might not so remember. many Marines. People still watch StarCraft 2. I thought they'd all switched over to League of Legends. So many Banelings. So, so many, many Banelings. All right. So, yes. <laughs> and people watch both. Shush. Don't take away my GSL. Stop it, John. Well, uh, IPL, interestingly, is up for yeah, sale. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. You can, yeah. You'll take the, have to take the GSL from my cold, dead hands. So, uh, Ziff, T- Ziff Davis bought... IGN, who owns 1UP and UGO, and they're closing down 1UP and UGO and just focusing on uh, IGN. Oh, and they're closing GameSpy. So it's like Ziff Davis, not content with shutting down 1UP once, <laughs> is now shutting them down twice. Wow. <laughs> that's some... That's some. And not only that, they're dumb. so spiteful, they decided they'd close Yugo and... Yep. And, and GameSpy. Game yep. And IGN Pro League is up for sale. So that actually is value. They're going to try and sell it. Because um, actually, it's somewhat popular. So, yeah. So, do you guys see a future where IGN is going to get closed down? I hope so, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, it really disturbs me when I see <laughs> see things on uh, Twitter that are like, "Man, I, IGN provides really important service to our industry." It's like, like what? <laughs> what what service does it provide exactly? They have rewinds on trailers where they highlight cool things that might be happening in the game. Yeah. You know, if it's shut down, people might actually have to go someplace where they actually get quality written reviews. What a shame. Artbigamer.com. Best reviews on the internet. Darn right. All right. All right, let's talk about Bioware. Bioware had an announcement this week, and they said, hey, you know Mass Effect 3? Yeah, we more piece, Two more pieces of DLC. Citadel pack for single player and Reckoning multiplayer pack. Uh, so multiplayer is, you know, more... You know, 
Run classes and, and stuff and weapons. Jumps. No, more classes, more weapons. You know, female Turian Raptor, Talon Mercenary, blah, 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 blah. But the important... Talon? I think they mean Turian. Talon. I love that movie. What is yeah, Talon? You know what that this was? must be a typo. No, it was called... Uh, what was that show called? The Gap oh, Juggernaut. I want to look it up. The well, whatever. The, the important part here is, though, that uh, Mass Effect 3 is getting its final piece of story DLC, and it's it all takes place on the Citadel! Woo! So you get to do, like, uh, actually walk around the Citadel, talk to people, and, and including all people from Mass Effect 1 and 2, and it does stuff with the people from the first games, and it's story-related, and that sounds awesome, and I think that's really good. So I'm happy they are doing that. Um, unfortunately, it'll be 15 bucks, which I think is a bit expensive, but whatever. There you go. Also, and, um, yeah, I can't remember his name. Maybe it's in your thing, but the voice actor who recently died, who yeah. played Zaid, this is one of his last roles before he died and apparently he does he does a pretty good performance as Zaid and he really uh, brings it home nice is it is that the dog again no okay I'm going dog ran out for some reason <laughs> blown on the mic or something I don't know alright oh I don't know weird right. <laughs> sorry alright well there are more there are more revelations this week besides a PS4 NIS America had their event and they said hey here's what's coming out in the US this week for the or this week this year for the PS3 Disgaea D2 A Brighter Darkness um, we figured that was coming but now we know it'll be uh, out in North America in fall of 2013 and let's see it stars Laharl Etna and Flan of course Time and Eternity is an original HD animation RPG from Image Epoch which includes murder time travel and split personalities um, it'll be they're going to be localizing both the game and the anime it'll be launching in North America in summer of 2013 and finally get the Guided Fate Paradox which stars a man who won the lottery which gains him an ability to change people's destiny which leads play- players to take on many roles in order to save different people. And it'll be, it's a uh, spiritual successor to ZHP, if you remember that game, and it's coming to North America in fall 2013. Who's excited for NIS lineups? Well, I'm I am. I'm actually kind of excited for that last one, just because it sounds so bizarre. <laughs> and I'm interested in the middle one that's got the anime tie-in. That sounds fun. So I like that sort of stuff. I've heard very mixed things about Time and Eternity. Oh, no, not mixed things. I don't want mixed things. Mostly bad things, things because apparently it can be a little bit raunchy from what I understand. Oh, well, maybe I'll go play that third game instead then. Actually, who am I kidding? I'll play Disgaea 2. That's what I'll play. I don't know. That Disgaea sequel sounds really fun, and I've never even played a Disgaea game. Oh, play Disgaea 1 and put it on easy. Just play through the story. It's a fun anime-style tactical RPG. So. Okay, I'll have to do that's, that. That's I good got stuff. It. Or get it on the PSP or the updated version, I guess, or DS or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, the updated version on the PSP might be a good buy, actually. Yeah. Okay, go. I'll have to check that out. It's probably dirt cheap, too. Probably. It's too much, yeah. Natsume has an announcement, and unfortunately, Anna's not here right now. But uh, let's see, the PS. Let's see, they've got a PSP game coming out. It's called Mystic Chronicles. It's a lesser-known RPG. It's coming to North America. They're bringing it out in the summer. Um, it is an old, it is a retro-styled RPG featuring sprite graphics and turn-based battle system in the same vein as the older Dragon Quest games. Uh, in the p- battle, the player can assign a guardian beast to each character, and the creature will be controlled by AI to support their partners. The story of the game focuses on its main hero, a boy named Lux, who seems to be following the traditional heroic path of rising from being a mysterious youth who was adopted in a small village to becoming a hero who can save the world. We've never heard that story before. 
Um, so yeah, that's uh, Mystic Chronicles. Look for it in the summer. Uh, it's got a very 2D RPG makery look to it. So that's uh, that's coming. Hmm. Could be we've interesting. Got a, we got a big write-up at the press event um, for Final Fantasy XIV. I just want to tell you guys about. If you want to hear about it? Uh, Nathan Schlothen, um, who was who's you know one of our reporters, he went to the event being held by Square Enix. So you can go read up all about a ton of details of Final Fantasy XIV. And just so you know, they announced this week that the uh, benchmark software for the new XIV build is out. So you can download that from their site and. Uh, see how your computer runs the new Final Fantasy XIV engine. So you can go check that out as well. Yeah, I'd like, so to, like to I'd like to pass that against my new graphics card actually. So because yeah. I played in the alpha test using my old graphics card and it did look very nice. You can find that at na.finalfantasyxiv.com slash benchmark slash. So big old zip file. Download it. It's four hundred sixty nine megs. So check that out. Uh, Persona 2. We've been waiting for Eternal Punishment to come over to the U.S. for a while. Um, potentially the PSP remake, that is. Um, unfortunately, we don't get any news about that. What we did get a news about was that Persona 2 Eternal Punishment has got an ESRB rating for PlayStation 3 and PSP. Um, Yay! Unfortunately, that means it just would be the PSX version, not the remake. Who cares? More Olala. Okay. I love her. She's awesome. And you know, she I boxes. Think we, I think we covered this a couple weeks ago, and this just finally filtered down to Polygon. So I'm going to move on. I'm sorry about that, guys. No, Alala. What's Alala? She's a really hot goth chick. Ah, I, I hate the art for Persona 2. It looks so ugly to me. Boo earns to you. Yeah, I, I, li- <laughs> I like the art for 3 and 4, but not for 2. Ugh. It's okay. Poser. I will finish Eternal Punishment one day. <laughs> Someone's clicking buttons again. I can hear them. I can hear them. No, him. not me. Uh, it might be John. Not me. It's probably John. He's like, My no, microphone is muted. Well, for then the someone's love of playing God. with a pen or clicking something or tapping something. I can hear it. I've got the headphones on. I can... can you hear it? Can you really hear it? I, I don't know how to respond to that. So I'm going to talk about EVE Online. They're getting new ship skills and tiers and a rebalance on February 19th. The Retribution 1.1 update's coming out. So if you're an EVE Online player, um, well, we won't talk about the specifics here because we'll put everyone to sleep. But if you're an EVE Online player, go to their site and read up on the update there and you'll get... I might actually have a look at this because they they do tier updates very rarely. Oh, yeah. yeah. So tier one and two battlecruisers be combined in one category. Yeah, it's putting me to sleep. Oh, wait, really? Jesus. They're going to be called combat battlecruisers, and tier three will become attack battlecruisers. And uh, the later one will get tweaks in a future update and something. Dueling. My God, that's taken how long? This is a big deal? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, Armor tanking or improving, since this is getting a rile out of John, armor tanking or improving the ship's defense is getting one new skill and three new modules to rectify system imbalances. Piling armor on rigs slows down ships and makes them vulnerable to short-range weapons, and armor and shield extenders have high damage penalties. Um, so now you can get the new armor honeycombing skill, which reduces penalties on all armor plates by 5% per level, and access to new small, medium, and large-sized rep- repair modules. Yeah? Yeah? No? All right. Yeah, we lost him. Yeah. All right. You go, go check out their developer blog for more info. Yeah. So you guys remember how the fans were working on this big MMO conversion mod for StarCraft? And then Blizzard is like, hey, how about you work with us officially? <laughs> oh, <laughs> or, but you have to change the name. Yeah, you have to change the name. 
And they're like, okay. So they're going to do it. And uh, it is going to, it's, it's going to launch through Battle.net now. Um, it has been in development for two years. It's called StarCraft Universe. Um, it takes place 11 years after the utter darkness scenario in StarCraft II as part of an alternate timeline and blah, 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 blah. Um, eight different classes and character customizations. And let's see. If you're curious why we're only releasing the single-player content, it's because we need to release this project slowly to ensure all our core systems work properly. So it sounds like you can start playing single-player now? Hey! As a series of custom maps. So you'll be able to play it through their through their custom map thing when you download on StarCraft. So that's interesting. And, um, yeah. So people people get to play the single-player custom maps, level their characters up, and that's how they're going to QA the game and eventually turn it into online multiplayer. So that's how they're starting it. So if you're interested in following that along and helping them through that process, launch your StarCraft and download the maps. Manny, this you might care about this. Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition's coming to OS X. It's already here. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. It came out yesterday, didn't it? Yep. Yeah, so it's uh, out on their website, right? DRM free. Beans. Yeah. Yep. And you know what I noticed the past week that I hadn't noticed before is that Baldur's Gate was up on Steam. Um. Yeah, um, you're probably better off buying it directly from them. Why is that? If you want faster updates. Really? Because Activision's handling that part. Handling, or Atari or whoever it was. Is handling I know that the, the actual team, per their like, negotiations or whatever, isn't handling the updates. It's more like they send it to them and then they have to put it up. Oh, so I might get the updates a day or two earlier if I go through Beamdog. That's what oh, you're saying. I'm, I'm thinking more like a few weeks. Oh, really? That's kind of Who strange. knows? Okay. Well, we'll I, have to I, see how it works out. But yeah. um all right. Yeah, and it looks like the Mac version is not on Steam yet. So No. Uh, I don't think they're gonna put it there. It looks like they're gonna go on the uh, the app store though. So, Mac app store, yes. Yep. So but are they gonna be in control of putting it on the app store, you think? Yeah, yeah. Okay. For them the they're doing the Beamdog sign and the Mac App Store one. Of course, with you don't have to do with Apple approvals if you Yeah. All right, if so you want go with Beamdog, it sounds like. If, well, if you care this, if you care a ton about the game, if you just want it, get it on whatever platform is most convenient for you. Yeah, yeah. If you're, I mean, you're I know a lot of people close, choose yeah. like the Mac App Store because it's like I have a Steam account, I have an Apple account, I have an Origin account, I have, I don't need another I don't account. Need a Beam Dog account, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, hmm. okay, so that's out there. If you've been waiting for that, here's Sam's favorite story of the week: The Witcher Three. Yay! It was Yay! officially announced to be coming to PS4. Yeah. So I guess we already knew Witcher 3 was coming, but uh, it'll be coming to <laughs> PC and other high-end platforms. So it sounds like it won't be coming to like PS3 or 360. So no, I'm assuming absolutely. it's going to be PS4, the whatever the next Xbox is. Just call, yeah, I guess just call it 360 Next. 360 Next? I like Next Box. No? All right. Is that too stupid? All right. I can I, I cannot say that if you want. Um, and of course, PS4. So there you go. And uh, let's see, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. And um, do we know... Do you know what the day? Oh yeah, it's out next year, so you still yep. have to wait a while, Sam. Sorry. The, uh, my most anticipated like big budget RPGs are both from CD Projekt Red: Cyberpunk 2020 and Witcher 3. Nice. Of course, those are the only next gen RPGs that we know about at this point. So I feel bad. Three. I feel bad about this next story. Um, after our discussion about it earlier, but so the Legend of Heroes: Trails in the Sky is coming to Windows 8 in Japan in April. Um, yeah. So I just put this in there because um, this is a chance for us to get those other two games in this trilogy. Maybe if somebody decides to localize the Windows 8 version, 
which now that I say that sounds really dumb because that's another issue of not having a big target market. <laughs> when you say Windows 8 version, does that mean the Windows 8 App Store? That's what it sounds like. It's going to be optimized and released for Windows 8 PCs in Japan this April. So, yeah, because I would think like if it's just a Windows release, why would you need to put the Windows 8 specifically? You know, if it's, that's if what it's, I'm concerned about. That it might be in the Windows 8 App Store instead of you know like on Steam or something. Yeah, because why would you make the distinction otherwise? I don't know. Falcon's been doing so good on Steam. Why are they doing this? I don't know. Because um, I yeah, it's funny because when a game comes to Steam, I never hear anyone not come, come, coming soon to Windows 8. Yeah, I I I don't know. Um, so this is through. Let's see if uh, Silicon Air has more. No, they don't. And it came from Falcom in... Yeah, I can't help... I don't read Japanese, so the original source is useless. You should get on that, man. Yeah, I should. <laughs> or maybe I'll throw the link over to Quinn and he can tell me that he can't read it either. Um, Wait, what? The Falcom... So I got this story about Legend Heroes. You could read the original Falcom website thing to kind of help us figure out what they mean by saying Windows 8. What? Well, why are they bringing up Windows 8? As in, they're releasing on Windows 8 or something? Yes. Or? The Legend See, of Heroes... This is the conversation we just had. We were both confused about yeah, that. Yeah, he's too busy with World of Warcraft. Says the Legend... actually, it's not because I'm busy with World of Warcraft. There's another discussion happening in another ILC channel I'm in. Oh, well. No, but it's true. Like, Why would you specifically say Windows 8 unless it's like, for the App Store? Yeah, that's what we're worried about. So they're saying Legend Heroes Trails in the Sky, the whole trilogy, and <laughs> somebody breathes heavily in the mic, uh, is coming oh. to... <laughs> is coming to uh, Windows 8. That's what they're saying this April in Japan. So we're trying to figure out more what they mean by that. But we can't read Japanese, so we can't. All right. Well, whatever. So <laughs> John doesn't care. He lost interest already. He's back in his other conversation. <laughs> so I will tell you this instead. Legend of Grimlock. Grimlock. No, it's not about a Transformer. Legend of Grimrock. They were going to have DLC. Um, here's the thing. They're saying, forget the DLC, we're going to make a full-on sequel. So they haven't said anything in a while about what's going on with DLC or sequels. So they are going to say now that the, uh, they're going to go ahead and do a, a sequel. And they got a lot of ideas and what they're going to explore. And that's all they're saying. Well, <laughs> No date. It seems like they were building a lot of new content for like an ex- a DLC expansion yes. pack. And a lot of that content is done. But they had more. They felt like, well, we have a lot more ideas, like upgrading the engine and adding a lot of new stuff that would make take Grimlock to the next level. And the only way we can do that is if we take this and turn it into a full-on sequel, which is what they're doing. And they hope to be more transparent going forward in the future. And like like before Grimlock came out, you could follow the development process. So, oh, they say they'll have more to announce in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they just released a patch for Legend of Grimrock too, by the way. So if you've got the uh, no DRM version installed, you might want to go uh, pick that up. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, final story of the day, guys. We can finally all go home, finally get some lunch. Go home, get some lunch. Final story. Right. There's an Amazon sale. <laughs> so this actually wasn't a story I meant to put on. Uh, this is funny. So this is a story on Polygon. And, and I'm sorry, guys. This is not RPG related, but I just think this is amusing. Um, and I accidentally bookmarked it. So I'm going to read it anyway because we need something to close the show with. Uh, well, I do have with. one story, though, when you're done. Oh, okay. So Amazon, the, it, it's a story on Polygon about the Amazon store uh, sale that's saying for well to the month of February. And they've got games like Sleeping Dogs down to $17.49. And if you use the code that they provide, you can get an additional 25% off, 
the thing is that this is what I was talking about earlier with cheap ass gamers. The Amazon buyers real chummy with them and went ahead and have the code be CAG rocks. And so now Polygon's got this nice code about CAG rocks on their story, which is for a totally different website. So do they give it any credit to cheap ass gamer? No, they just linked. Oh, that's <laughs> who knows if the person even knows. <laughs> I expect better from Polygon, yeah. especially if you're going to, if you're going to make a documentary about yourself, you, you better be pretty, pretty good with your details. Yeah. Oh, well. All right, so here's a little side story. Yeah. Okay, so you know the D- Deus Ex Human Revolution movie? Yeah, that's right. It is not going to be a rehashing of the game. Yay. So here's the quote. Okay, uh, yeah, the chief philosophy is we're not making a video game movie. We're making a cyberpunk movie. So that's what uh, Robert Cargill, the Deus Ex Films co-writer, said with an interview with Crave Online. I got this story from Joystick, in case you want to follow it. We've taken a look at what's worked in video games and what hasn't. And really what we've broken down is that we think the audience really wants what the audience – wait. We've broken down – basically they want to make a good movie and a good cyberpunk movie and video game fans won't be happy if we just try to tell the same story again but like worse than a two-hour little story. And they think that's so – interesting note is that the, the best video game movie yet – the duo thinks that the best video game movie made yet is the Mortal Kombat movie, <laughs> which is funny but – I can see why it's. I think the Mortal Kombat hmm. movie stands alone as a de- as a movie. Yeah, that's a decent movie. It's got a good you know, soundtrack too. So many video game movies are so beholden to the source material that it, they feel like cheap. I guess the Resident Evil movie was okay as its own standalone movie. The too, first right? one, you mean? Yeah. Okay. It got progressively. I worse, didn't see them. So. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. The thing about Deus Ex, the landscape is massive. I mean, it's big, broad, sprawling game, and it. And looks, it's and look, it's impossible to get the aesthetic of that game into a single movie. That's the nature of turning a video game into a movie. It's keeping the elements that are iconic and important that advance the game, but also recognizing that if that's all you do, you'll just make another bad video game movie. So, just it's just basically a cyberpunk movie with Deus Ex name, with some of the cool same themes. Done. Done. Let's go home. <laughs> all right. Well, that's our that's our show. For, oh wait, no, that isn't couple more things I need to plug. First off, we got a new release next week. It's a big one. Etrian Odyssey 4 is coming out. Um, yeah. Etrian Odyssey 4 is coming out for the 3DS, so you want to pick that up. It'll be out, of course, digitally. And I just found out digital games come out midnight Eastern time on the Nintendo stores. That's really cool. You can get it kind of a few hours early if you're buying digital. And, of course, you can get it um, in retail. Uh, there's a lot of videos up on our site of new other... They just revealed the last three classes in the game so you can go check those out and see what those three classes are about and we have a new review up for generation of chaos pandora's reflection so you can go check out that review um it it didn't do well just a little spoiler and uh provide us feedback podcast rpgamer.com 608-729-4098 is the voicemail board at rpgamer.com is the message board rpgamer on twitter i'm sob 1001 on twitter manny you are Marino E-M, M-E-R-I-N-O-E-M. John is... Mecha Quinn. Oh, God, that hurt. That Sorry, didn't I, sound I, right. What the I just, heck? Oh, I just God. sneezed my sinus out. It kind of oh, hurt okay. a lot. Hmm. I basically just gave, like, the mother of all sneezes, all right? It, it kind of hurt. Ow. Okay. And, uh... <laughs> Sam, you are... Not A.M. Newfeld, which is Anna... 
Who and is I'm Mary Go Down. <laughs> Mary Go Down. <laughs> Which apparently people think it sounds like a porno name, but it totally is not from a I porno. I thought it was like a Merry Go Round, but I don't really it understand why it's It actually is a song by Folk Implosion. Oh. And if you know who they are, are they you Canadian? Know that... No. Ooh, now I'm more interested in. Uh, the front man is named Lou Barlow. Okay. If you know who he is, nope. he is the founder of Lo-Fi Music. Lo-Fi? That doesn't sound like a good thing for music to be named <laughs> after. Uh, it's an interesting genre. Let's okay. put it that way. All right. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back here next week. If you'd like to catch the show live, it's every week at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on rpgamer.com slash live or our twitch.tv channel, rpgamer. You can follow that for little notifications right there on your iPhone or Android device. And with that, I think we're going to call close it out, and we'll see everybody next week. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye! Bye-bye now. Three hours of entertainment. Oh, my God. That's so long. <laughs>